Okay, I'm calling our regular 6 p.m. session to order. Uh, we're going to begin with an invocation by Pastor Orlando Barella from Household of Faith Family Church, to be followed by the Pledge of Allegiance by Council Member Ana Gutierrez. Please stand. of the council, citizens of Orange, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you today to give you honor and praise. We thank you for this opportunity to gather in this council meeting as they do what's best for our citizens and for our city. We pray for our mayor today, our council members, and we pray that you will lead this meeting by your spirit, Lord. We pray for your wisdom, your peace, your guidance, and your direction that it will be yielded to. We thank you for this city that we are all proud citizens and we want more of what's best for our families and for our city. We pray for our first responders, our police department and fire department. When we run from danger, they run towards danger to make sure that the citizens of this city are safe. So we pray that no weapon formed against them would be able to prosper. And we ask, Father, that you watch over them and protect them. Again, we thank you, and we ask for your blessing upon this meeting, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance to our nation. Ready? Begin. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. <clears throat> Thank you, Pastor Barella. Madam Clerk, are you could please take the roll? Mayor Pro Tem Barrios? I am here. Councilmember Dimitriou? Present. Councilmember Tavalaris? Here. Councilmember Bilodeau? Present. Councilmember Gutierrez? Here. Mayor Slater? Here. A quorum is present with Councilmember Gillenhammer excused. If you have not uh, silenced your cell phones, uh, please uh, do so at this time. Okay, we have uh, one uh, announcement this evening, and that is a memorial adjournment on behalf of uh, Gloria Jean Boyce, who passed away recently. Tonight's meeting will be adjourned in memory of Gloria Jean Boyce, whose heroic dedication to historic preservation has contributed to future generations to enjoy and appreciate the beauty and charm of Old Town Orange, her devotion to her faith, family, her love of history, her passion for travel, and her commitment to the Orange community have been an inspiration to all who are blessed to have known her. Gloria was born in Syracuse, New York, and had cherished memories of growing up with her beloved sisters, Sharon and Patty. She attended Onondaga Central School and continued to Buffalo State University where she earned her master's degree in mathematics. She completed her teaching credentials and decided to head west to California where she taught at Marywood Catholic High School in Orange. She moved to a home on Maplewood Street and met the boy next door, Rob, who would become her future husband. When teaching was not an option, Gloria wasn't afraid to switch gears and went back to school earning a computer science degree at UCI and began her second career at Hughes Aircraft as a systems engineer. Gloria loved history and living in Old Town. 
The Boyces took steps to preserve the historic heritage they loved so dearly, so along with a few other residents, formed the Old Town Preservation <coughs> Association. Rob served as an early president and Gloria was a longtime board member. The association worked with city officials to create the historic preservation design standards, which provided property owners guidance on how to maintain and repair historic buildings. Gloria was instrumental in having the state of California declare Old Town a residential historic district, the largest in the state. Orange County Supervisor Bill Steiner appointed Gloria to the Orange County Historical Commission, where she was honored with a proclamation for her preservation efforts. She fostered community engagement with her collaboration with the Orange County Historical Society, the Orange County Conservancy, the California Preservation Foundation, the National Trust for Historic Preservation, and the Old Town Steering Committee. Gloria's tireless efforts in safeguarding and celebrating the history of Orange were a testament to her passion and expertise. Yet her most treasured role was that of a wife to Rob, mother to daughter Anne-Marie, and grandmother to grandchildren Jaden, Kaylin, and Robert. It is with great respect and appreciation that the City Council extends its sincere sympathies to Gloria's entire family as it, as it adjourns this meeting in reverence and tribute to Gloria Jean Boyce, dated this 27th day of February, 2024, and signed by myself and the entire City Council. I see Rob in the first row. I'll be come down and present this to you. <clears throat> and anyone else would like to come. Thank you for sharing Gloria with us all these years and all she's done and all you've done too. Uh, here you go. Um, Let's get the photo here. Get the council behind us. Here we go. All right. Um, would you like to see a few pieces? As Dan mentioned in the proclamation, Gloria was born and raised in Syracuse and found herself at uh, Buffalo uh, State University in uh, New York. And while she was there, she enjoyed all of the beauty of Buffalo, all the historic things in Buffalo, the uh, theater, the, uh, the great uh, museums that they have. And she found herself out here in California and moved in next to Next to me, she would ask me, where's your history? <laughs> so I showed her where our history was. <laughs> and from that point forward, she was dogged about preserving and protecting Old Town. Uh, she was probably the best, at least one of the best, in-depth, accurate researchers that I ever have met. And uh, when OTBA was getting started, Joanne Kuntz was fond of saying these people do their homework. And a lot of that homework was Gloria's research. Uh, 
in her preparation. I want to thank you all for individually for giving her this honor. She would have been dumbfounded, uh, embarrassed a little, I think, but she would have been honored. And uh, Gloria and I spent 42 years together, and I miss her dearly. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming, Rob. <clears throat> um, by the way, uh, do we have any Chapman students here tonight? <laughs> so these students are from uh, Professor Fred Smoller's uh, Orange County uh, political class, all about Orange County, and uh, they're, they're here tonight, uh, and uh, welcome. Okay. City Attorney, do we have anything needed to report out from closed session? Nothing tonight, Mayor. Thank you. Okay. Then uh, next is public comments. At this time, members of the public may address the council on matters not listed on the agenda within the subject matter jurisdiction of the City Council, provided that no action may be taken on off-agenda items unless authorized by law. Public comments are limited to three minutes per speaker. And uh, we have, uh, I believe, two. Uh, first one is Kevin Smith, uh, to be followed by Gloria Nieva. And if, Gloria, if you want to uh, move toward the front and be ready to go, that'd be great. So, uh, Kevin? Hello, my name is Kevin Smith. I live at 4401 East Casale in the city of Orange. Um, the reason why I'm here today is because I... We was at home and there's a nice property behind us that we've enjoyed for the last 24 years living there. Suddenly it has been sold. Nobody knew what was going on. All of a sudden we were informed that it had been sold. And two days later, a gentleman showed up and says, well, we're trimming the trees. We'd like to, to catch your uh, palm tree. And I said, we don't own that. The next door neighbor does. So at that time, they get to talking and to find out that it's been sold to some type of a homeless shelter that they're going to be building. Um, I was kind of amazed because I'm in real estate myself and own several properties in the city. And I said, well, it's not zoned for it. So I went to the city, talked with the planning. They have no knowledge. I talked to uh, Raphael and uh, code enforcement, and he said the same thing, that he really had no knowledge of it. And uh, so then I reached out to Anna to try to get more information. So basically, I'm, you know, they want to put a 30-bed facility in there, which is more people than our whole cul-de-sac and partially down Earlham that live there. And it doesn't really fit with it. It's not zoned for it. And I wish the city council would direct the departments to look into that and give us some help. So that's why I'm here. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. I know there's a public... Uh, uh, meeting that uh, folks are having for your neighborhood, I would urge everyone to attend. Well, no, we, we, re we received the flyer, and it will definitely be there, but I guess what gets me is that where is the city not involved in this? And that kind of surprises me that they're not. If this was in Old Town, and they were doing this in Old Town, 
I believe that you folks would be right there, and we pride ourselves the same in our neighborhood in Orange. We may walk Old Town to say this is beautiful, but we go home and have the same pride in our own neighborhoods. So it's um, important to us. Who from the Planning Department could uh, talk to this gentleman? Uh, Russell? Yes. See that gentleman by the flag? He'd be happy to explain further. Thank you, Mr. Smith, for emailing me, and thank you for coming down today. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Yes, Gloria. Um, good evening, Gloria Nieva. And I, I could say ditto. I'm here for the same reason as Mr. Smith. I live in East Orange, and we just found out this weekend regarding the uh, shelter. This is not a shelter, it's a family home for homeless families. So we are very concerned because we didn't receive any information uh, regarding what's going to happen. And I would think that at least someone from the city would have reached out to our neighborhood to let us know what you know the process is or has been i did speak with uh, rafael also and he told me that it's vacant at this time and they're just doing cosmetic um, touches to it and um, that they you know you'll stay on top of it to make sure that they get all the correct uh, certificates and things like that but we are very concerned because it's really going to change the character of our neighborhood so i was wondering if anyone is going to go from here is going to go tomorrow to the meeting to see, to get more information. Ms. Gutierrez, will you be there? I haven't received information about the meeting, but if you would email it to me, I'd be happy to go. Okay. And I do have a clarifying question. Is this the property that faces, the driveway faces Hughes and it dips down yes, low? Yes, ma'am. That's what I yes. thought. It's huge, it's big. Just That's what I thought. Yeah, it's, and they're doing, you know, there's been construction trucks there and we're right off of Earlham. So, you know, the trap, we don't know, you know, how, you know, the traffic, you're going to have a lot of people there. I'm just very concerned. And again, that, you know, we were just finding out about it. They had a ribbon cutting ceremony in January. And I, didn't, I saw the picture, none of you were there. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, how could you not invite people from the city? So, again, very, very concerned. Okay, and I will e email you the information, Ms. Gutierrez. Thank okay. you. Um, Thank you for the time. I know that uh, Mr. Smith stepped out back with uh, Mr. Bunum, and, and so Go back I would there. suggest okay. you join that conversation. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that ends our public comments, and uh, we're moving on to the consent calendar. There's an item that uh, staff would like to have pulled, and do I understand that staff wanted to make a report on that? Okay. Item 3.11. Mayor, can I pull 3.2? Sure. Um, Before we start, any other council members wish to pull any items for discussion? Can you show me as an abstention on 3.6 because of the proximity to my home? Thank you. Duly noted. Okay, um, item 3.11. <clears throat> I think we need a motion for the balance. I would like to move the balance of the of the consent I'll, calendar. I'll second it. All right. We have a motion as, uh, from Mayor Pro Tem Barrio, second from Kathy Councilmember Tavalaris to approve the balance of the consent calendar. Um, please vote. Approved unanimously. Um, I should say six to. Uh, Zero. Uh, Councilmember Gillenhammer had a work uh, commitment uh, tonight, by the way. Mr. Cash. No. 
Uh, Mayor, members of the council, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Robert Moya, our senior analyst, who will uh, give the presentation. Thank you. Good evening, Mayor, members of the City Council. This presentation addresses the status of a parcel of real property identified as a portion of 515 Fletcher Avenue. The parcel is an unimproved 10-foot strip of the right-of-way on Fletcher Avenue located between Glissell Street and the Eastern Railroad tracks. The northern half of Fletcher Avenue's right-of-way is developed, including sidewalks and street pavement over approximately 50 feet, while the southern portion remains undeveloped, spanning approximately 11,581 square feet. The city has incurred maintenance costs for this undeveloped section, primarily for trash and weed removal, given the existing street infrastructure providing adequate connectivity and considering the property is not required for the city's use, it has been proposed to classify this land as exempt surplus land under, according to the Surplus Land Act. A review of proposed resolution number 11526 was conducted and it was found not to require a pre-adoption review. The Department of Housing and Community Development was consulted and advised that the resolution meets the exemption requirements. Furthermore, the classification of the property as exempt surplus land does not necessitate a review under the California Environmental Quality Act as it does not qualify as a project with potential to significantly affect the environment. Upon the approval of the resolution, the city plans to notify the Department of Housing and Community Development 30 days before any disposition of the property. The department will then issue a letter confirming the property may be disposed, be disposed of without further action under the Surplus Land Act. There is also an ongoing exploration of a potential property swap with the adjoining property owner for a future water well site pending clearance from the department. Staff recommends the approval of resolution number 11526 to declare the property as exempt surplus and welcomes any questions. Any questions of staff? Okay, seeing none, then we can entertain a motion. The motion would be item uh, 3.11, declare the unimproved right-of-way located at 515 Fletcher Avenue, East of Glissell Street, a surplus to the city's needs and authorize the disposal of the property. Resolution number 11526. I have a motion from Councilmember Bilodeau. We have a second. No, that's the last motion. Looking for a second. It's me and uh, Gutierrez. Um, Councilmember Gutierrez is the second. Any other discussion? I'm sorry. Councilmember Dimitru apparently made the motion. Councilmember Gutierrez is second. Any other discussion? If not, please vote. It's approved uh, unanimously six to zero. Thank you, staff. <clears throat> Okay, next is reports from Mayor Slater. 3.2, sir. Oh. I think I have Councilmember Dimitri to keep me on track here. Oh, yes, sir. We forgot that. I have one pulled. Sorry. That's okay. Thank you, Mayor. Um, 3.2 is agreement with Chapman University for the production and broadcasting of our local uh, cable programming. And specifically, um, it's not uh, really a, a question about the contract, but more of a, a question in process. So um, recently, the voice of OC uh, with, uh, with student journalists from Chapman University did a, a story saying that the city received a B on transparency 
um, for our uh, public hearing, uh, specifically our council meetings, that they're not uh, posted um, with availability for review until 24 hours after. And I, and I thought that that's got to be wrong, that, uh, that we actually um, put it up a, a little bit quicker than that. So just really quickly uh, before, uh, before we, we approve this, uh, what is the process currently for um, the video playback in order for the public to have it from our meetings? Because I'd really like the uh, voice of OC and the Chapman University students that do their student journalism to get the story correct. Absolutely, uh, Mayor and Council Members. I'm going to turn it over to our subject matter expert, who's our city clerk, uh, Pam Coleman. Good evening, Council Member Dimitri. Um, so yes, currently the video is posted immediately after the council meeting is over. Um, it's uploaded to the website. There sometimes is a little bit of a delay, like a few minutes, depending on how long the meeting is, but it's typically available uh, within minutes after the meeting is over. Thank you very much for the clarification. And I know the voice of OC, um, they, they watch our meetings. I hope uh, they'll correct their story to that it's factually flawed. Uh, journalism is important, but it needs to be correct. And with that, I'll move the item. You got beat. Oh, boy. They both beat me. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Council Member Dimitri. It's been moved. Oh, it went through? Yep. All right. It's your, your, your game. Did he take off? Yeah. Let's fill it. Okay. Moved by Council Member Bilodeau, seconded by Council Member Tavaleras. If there's no further discussion, please vote. Approved six to zero. Thank you, John, for that clarification. Okay, now we're moving to reports uh, from Mayor Slater, item four, 4.1. Um, so it's titled Ficus Trees on Chapman Avenue Discussion. So since I practically live between Pine Street and, um, and Shattuck on Chapman Avenue, every day I drive by the the ficus trees, and I notice uh, how they're deteriorating the sidewalks uh, tremendously. So, um, and they're lifting the concrete as ficus trees are no known to do. Um, actually, uh, Jack uh, has several pictures uh, that you can see what I'm talking about. <clears throat> you see the concrete pieces on the left. Okay, that looks like a familiar block. Same picture, yeah. So first thing I want to say is uh, we've got a great public works department and public works can only do what the city council will, will pay them or allow them to do with our budget. Um, <clears throat> also, I noticed when I was out there the other day that uh, public works had already even marked the, uh, the sidewalk that needed to be repaired. So as usual, they're on top of it. 
But my concern is that um, I noticed that some of these sections of sidewalk have already been replaced once, perhaps twice. And I'm concerned about the costs that we're paying for infrastructure when these ficus trees continually raise the sidewalk. So all I wanted to merely ask is uh, for a direction and, and, and ask staff if they could come up with a plan for um, the ficus trees between uh, on East Chapman <clears throat> through to Tustin Street. I know that a large section of this is uh, as a wider span of sidewalk because I know at one time the city was going to widen the street further. It didn't need to, so we have a wide sidewalk. What I don't want to see is us mow all the ficus trees down in one fell swoop. It's too drastic. Not all the ficus trees are at this point causing problems. So I just simply asked if the public works could come up with a plan for um, slowly implementing, um, taking out the most egregious ficus trees perhaps at this time, you know, planting trees that are gonna be less harsh on infrastructure, let them get established before we um, have to remove them all. And it's such a drastic uh, thing because it is kind of the gateway to Old Town, our city. And that's, that's basically all I wanted to ask is uh, just if you could come up with a plan you could show us I know that there's room, perhaps there could be larger tree wells and perhaps we could plant trees uh, like oaks or sycamores. It'll be less uh, harsh on the infrastructure. So that was, that was all. And uh, I don't need a vote if everyone's okay with it. Any discussions? Yeah. Now, obviously that's my gateway to go home. So, um, and I just want to say that like those trees, when you, if you're thinking about this and, Public Works is giving it some thought with them, some of their contractors. I mean, I like to call them the lollipop trees because when you go down, they're all those perfect Dr. Seuss round. And um, we'll just need to, it's so, what's the right word? Um, the aesthetic is so consistent going all the way down Chapman. So as we, it would always have to be like two by two, kind of very Noah's Ark down the way if we looked at it. And But I would also say when you come back, it would be interesting too to know um, kind of from a, a cost perspective, is it more to replace a tree than it is to replace the sidewalk? Have you done the sidewalk so many times that it, it I'm not saying you have to well, report on it now, it just, oh, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't know you were on the spot, so. Staff's always prepared. We, we, did, we did put a little thought into this knowing that it was gonna come up. Um, I guess, first of all, it, it's certainly something that can be done incrementally. Um, and we've talked a little bit internally about some plant choices or tree choices and some of the ones the mayor mentioned are actually right there on the top of the list. Um, but it, it, again, it's, it, there is a cost impact. Um, and you know, if, if we have a, a tree budget that we use for the entire city um, and we've been really focusing on trying to work with some of our arterials um, that either have had planning schemes that didn't work, um, such as Tustin, um, and, and or some of our arterials like Catella that could use maybe a little bit more. Um, so we're, we are somewhat limited in terms of, of budget. Um, but that being said, you know, we spend about $17,000 every 18 months to, to trim those trees. Um, uh, as you can see, we, we try to manage as best we can the concrete it's a, it is a challenge um, because the ficuses are, frankly, that's why cities don't plant ficus trees anymore because they are so destructive to sidewalks. 
Um, if we were to replant the entire length of it, um, and we did it in one fell swoop, it would be about $65,000. So that, that wouldn't necessarily be what we would recommend because I think, again, as you mentioned, there's sort of an iconic feel to it when you look down Chapman. And I think the idea would be to try to do something incrementally with the introduction of some new species at the same time that you have the existing and that it's done over a course of years. So that, because the, the one thing I can't replicate is a tree of that size. We can, we certainly have the room to do some larger tree wells and maybe do some larger size boxes, but they're still going to be significantly smaller than what you have there now. And so. Well, yeah. my understanding of those ficuses is that if you give them more room, they're just going to take it. You know, so they do. They'll just and that, grow but out. that's also a management thing that we do is we keep making the tree wells bigger and bigger to try and give them the room to not lift the sidewalk. Right. And, so. and I, I just meant for consistency because right now mm -hmm. it's very regiment when and, you go down the way, which is not to say that if you came with a proposal that said if we rip them all out and put this different kind in, you'd still, as they grow, you would still have a very um, uniform look going you, in. You could, but I'm again, depending on the varieties, I will say, in, in, at least in my street tree knowledge, the ficus tree itself is probably that one street tree that, that cities have shaped. And I, I know like Glendora does very fancy shaping on some, but some of these other trees, they're just not meant to be shaped like that. Yeah, and and so that well, that would be sort of I think part of the, the trade off. The, the trade off is right. is that some of these other varieties are not going to have that topiary feel to them. There's something to be said about looking like you're walking into a Dr. Seuss book when you go down that street. So, yeah. just uh, to tag on that, I forgot that uh, those those trees require extra maintenance to keep them all trimmed, and, mm -hmm. and that is a tremendous extra cost as well. So, anyway, uh, Councilmember Dimitri. Thank you, Mayor. Real quickly, um, if we can also include, uh, just for the historic district, if we can go back with OTPA and have staff uh, look at potentially uh, the historic um, tree inventory. Uh, inventory for back, back, yeah, yeah. Go back to what the city of Orange back back in the day, what the trees were prior to the ficuses, which I think they were palm, but I, I can't remember. I'd have to go back and read Mr. Burgandy's book, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I think it's important to include, especially just in the district, um, mm -hmm. to look at that and make sure that it's historically accurate. And if we have an opportunity to correct uh, something from the past, so we at least we at least research whether or not we should do it. That, that certainly could be. Provided. All right. Thank you. Great point. Councilmember Bilodeau. Yeah, thank you. And just echoing uh, Councilman Demetrius comments, a few years back, this city uh, took out the ficus trees on Tustin Avenue. And the council adopted a new plant palette, and uh, it's largely been a failure, I think. I, I don't think those twiggy uh, palm trees look very good. And um, maybe it's time we revisit that at some point in the future. Because right now it's just a sea of telephone poles is all you see. You don't really see any foliage, so it's, it doesn't look that great. And, and I'm sure that um, we have some very um, engaged people in OTPA that this may be right in their wheelhouse to research and figure out what types of trees would be appropriate. Thank you. I know that you'll um, be working with our street tree coordinator, but do you have an idea of how long you would need to? We, we can probably come back within probably a month or two. Oh, great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Council. Okay, um, moving along. Uh, 
reports from council members. Um, I'm sorry, you wanted uh, public comments before? Okay, go, please go ahead. Thank you, Mayor. You know, I was a, when I was a little girl growing up in Orange, uh, my parents worked 18-hour shifts to take care of us kids. Uh, so after school at Taft Elementary and Peralta Junior High and Villa Park High School before I could drive, I would go straight to Taft Library to do my homework and wait for my parents to pick me up at closing time. I was one of those latchkey kids, except the latchkey kid was at Taft. I usually sat in the circular center of the library, as we all know it, and read the books on the table there. And if you remember those long um, wooden things where the newspapers, remember newspapers? They used to be in there. You have to go through them. And I have a lot of great memories at Taft. Uh, today, I drive by Taft Library two to three times a day on the way to home to work and other meetings. And I drive by with little pangs in my heart. I asked staff to place an item on the agenda tonight, Mr. Mayor, to discuss the Taft Library just to discuss it. I did not ask for a proposal. I did not even ask for a plan. I just asked for a discussion, as we council members do. The library, and it's just my opinion, is underutilized, empty at all hours of the day, and let's face it, times have changed. The city owns this building, and it's probably worth a lot of money. And all I'm asking for is a discussion. Would there be a better use for this facility? Maybe, maybe not. But that's our job, is to ask these questions. However, today, I was a little shocked as I sat next to my mother's hospital bed to receive some threats um, from a friend from a Facebook post on Orange Talk. And I'll read it to you. Hi, friends. Sorry for the short notice, but I just found out from the Taft Library branch manager, who's an employee of the city, there's a proposal on the agenda tonight. There's no proposal. Uh, to sell the library at Taft. He reached out to ask if we could perhaps try to get a group together who might want to publicly comment, public comment, who don't want to lose the library. And then it has the date of the meeting and, and the location. I plan on attending, so if you would like to join me, that would be most welcome. But I totally understand if this is very short notice and if you are not able to come. John Ferry, the Taft Library branch manager, says, branch manager, says this is the beginning of stage of this proposal. Again, there's no proposal. So they're hoping it doesn't gain traction and are trying to, quote unquote, nip this in the bud. A couple things to point out again, there's no proposal. And an employee of the city is asking residents to attend the meeting to, quote, nip this discussion in the bud. And this went out on Facebook. Why? Why would a city employee do this? Nothing has been proposed. No one's getting fired. When you say nip it in the bud, that literally means to stifle discussion. You can look it up. Is that where we are as a city? Telling people you can't discuss things? What about the fountain? The mayor pro tem represents district one. Mayor pro tem, can we not longer talk about the fountain? Because people are scared or think the tile's wrong or do we need to stifle and nip that in the bud so we don't talk about it up here? What about Grijalva Park? Should we tell Councilwoman Gutierrez to nip any discussion in the bud about the dreams of a library there? Or what about the dreams of GoCat? Should we tell the Councilwoman never to discuss this? To never bring it to the dais because Orange doesn't want to change. Or all the work she does for her residents 
with our CDBG program? Should we not talk about it because we're talking about poor people? How can we serve you, the citizens of Orange, if we are called on to muzzle discussion and led by employee of the city? I find that very interesting and very shameful, city manager. I grew up in Orange. We are a historic city and we all get a little shudder when someone mentions change. I get it. I have that feeling too. There's a time and a place to do things the way they've always been done, but not all the time. Someone once said, status quo is Latin for the mess we're in. That quote, I believe, embodies orange right now. City government is supposed to provide a service to our community. But if the programs and facilities we have don't serve the community, we are obligated to look at alternative programs. Our responsibility is to use the city resources to get the biggest bang for our buck. Your buck, because it's your money. I had one of the moms email me today, nice lady, and she said, and I quote in their email to me, she didn't threaten me, but she said, Kathy, I love the Taft Library. It's so peaceful, no one is ever there. <laughs> Please don't sell it. Everyone knows it's empty. I don't think she understood she was undercutting her own argument with me, but she spoke the truth. It is always empty, and that deserves a discussion. It doesn't mean anything other than a discussion. We need a new fire department in North Orange. How do we know that the fire department does not have a better location at the Taffler Library? How do we know if there's a better use for the library or even a bigger library there if we don't discuss it? Orange has a multi-million dollar library 2.2 miles away from Taft, 2.2 miles. Is that economically feasible? Is that a good steward of public funds? I don't know. I guess we have to nip the discussion in the bud. At least according to the city employee, he doesn't want this even to be discussed, so much so that he has been publicly frightening residents about something that hasn't even been discussed by this body. I think that's called fear-mongering. I hope you all haven't fallen into this trap. By the way, this employee never called me or emailed me to ask me what my intentions were. In fact, no employee called me. Nobody from the library called me to ask. That one mom was the only one I got, and then a couple threatening emails that I won't share. Discussion is good, and it's healthy. Maybe we need a bigger footprint at Taft. I don't know. Maybe library services would be better used at Grijalva. I don't know. Grijalva library is just but a dream, but perhaps we need to stop dreaming and make it happen. However, if we sit in fear of change, then I guess we get what we get. I'd like to send this back to you, Mayor. I am certainly disappointed, City Manager, that this had to be on a Facebook post, and I think to, to put fear in our residents over something that has not even been proposed is shameful. Thank you. All right, well, we're definitely gonna have discussion, but first, uh, we've got some uh, public uh, speakers. Um, unless Councilmember Dimitri wants to say something first. Yeah, really quickly. Um, towards uh, Councilwoman Tavalaris's comment with the uh, uh, city employee engaging in um, political, political speech while working. While an employee has an absolute defined constitutional right uh, at political speech when they're not in work being compensated by the taxpayer. I think while at work, it's highly inappropriate. Um, and I think we've had a number of times in um, the last four years, uh, if not longer, where we have had employees 
uh, of the city um, engaging in uh, political speech and, and political work from their offices at City Hall. I think it uh, is time that uh, we reemphasize with our staff um, the policies uh, and the uh, procedures that are associated with uh, their time here while they're uh, being compensated. Uh, if they're at home, hey, they're welcome to call us anything they want. Um, and, uh, you know, that's their right. But when they're being paid by the taxpayer, their job is to be here, uh, not, on, uh, not on political websites or commenting on blogs or posts or uh, playing on Facebook, uh, you know, uh, with, their, with their ideology or, um, or theories. I think it's important that we uh, reach out, especially as uh, we go into silly season, um, as we're currently in, I, I have seen um, some comments on other places in reference to uh, certain campaigns occurring now that uh, are disheartening. However, uh, when you see them posted, it's after hours, which is, that's the right. But if they're here as employees, uh, while employed, I think we need to, again, uh, have the city manager reach out to his staff. It, the city staff does not work for us. They work for the city manager. The city manager works for us. That's why we slap him around regularly. Uh, and that needs to be kind of clear uh, that uh, my job is not to reach down to a, one of the city employees and, and say this is wrong. It goes through our city manager, and that's the appropriate um, venue for it. But I think the education component of relying that uh, as a city employee, uh, you're affected by policymaking, but you're not the policymaker. I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Okay, we have uh, some uh, speakers uh, from the public. The first one is Susie Huber, followed by Lynn Marie Frediani. The next speaker can just come up and take a, a seat up front, would be great. Hi, my name is Susie Huber. I'm a library trustee, and I'm also a board member on the Friends of the Orange Public Library. Um, let's discuss the 2023-2024 budget for the city of Orange. So if you look at the expenditures, you'll notice only 4% or $6.3 million of our $130.2 million budget is spent on the library. In comparison, we spend about two-thirds of the budget um, on fire and police services. So if you're looking to decrease spending, it seems like you'd go for more bang for your buck going after those large items rather than discussing looking at a smaller item like a 4% cut to a library. I've been told that the city doesn't have a spending problem as much as it has a revenue problem. The two major sources of revenue, according to our city um, on the website, are property taxes, which account for 40% of the budget, and sales tax, which accounts for 37% of the budget. Um, I know we have the Orange Mall right now that is not creating um, a whole lot of sales tax, which hopefully will be remedied soon. We also have Chapman, uh, Chapman University that is a nonprofit organization. So when they purchase homes to use for academic purposes, they don't pay property taxes, which might also be something that we could discuss. I've lived on the north side of Orange for most of my life. I attended Heim Elementary School, Peralta, and Villa Park High School. During COVID, we lost our little post office, which was over on Orange Olive Road near Lincoln Avenue. We've lost our mall. 
According to the looking forward section of the budget report, West Orange is getting a new park. Grahalva Park is getting a new skate park. Hart Park is getting pickleball courts. There's no infrastructure improvements slated for North Orange at this time. So in closing thoughts, the Friends and the Library Foundation are made up of dedicated volunteers who work hard to raise money to support our libraries. We are all fervent believers that strong libraries are the hub of the community and communities, communities are strengthened by the presence of thriving libraries. So I guess I'm disappointed that the library has come up as a discussion item as a way to look at um, where we are with our budget right now. Thank you very much. Lynn Marie Frediani, followed by Katie Montgomery. Mayor Slater, council members, thank you for having us today. Um, I'm Lynn Marie Frediani. I'm the executive director of the Orange Public Library Foundation. Um, our mission statement I'm going to read to you is um, our, the Orange Public Library Foundation is a nonprofit organization raising money to support and enhance Orange Public Library facilities, services, programs, and technology. So we have a group of board members who are very dedicated to preserving the library and believe the importance of a library in a community. And I have the benefit of having an office in the library, and I'm at the libraries every day, five out of seven days a week with it. And I see who we serve and who comes into our libraries. There are many people who do not drive to the library, so especially the Taft Library. There are a lot of people that walk to the Taft Library with the demographics in that area right near it. Um, to walk an additional two miles may be a lot for them. They may not be able to do that. To take a bus, it would be a very long distance to get around on a bus because it doesn't cut straight through from um, Taft to Chapman. There's no direct route that can't go directly up Cambridge with it. Um, we have many people who come to the library every day. It is their social activity. That's where they have, they socialize there. We have um, people of all econo economic backgrounds with it. It doesn't matter. Some people choose to borrow their books, but it's not just books. We don't just have books. We saw this through COVID. You know, there's a huge need for technology that people rely on the library. We have a woman who makes a regular $200 quarterly donation to the foundation. And um, she is, does not have internet at home. She comes to the library every day. She's now using the library as her gym. She comes to the library and walks up and down the stairs and she utilizes it. She talks to people. She does all of that with it. That is what the libraries do. And at Taft Library, we have that also. There are people there that are all the time. It's also the library that I grew up with. It was the one that was closest to my house. I grew up in Villa Park, but we went to the Taft Library. And um, it was really fun then. It was two stories. But... Um, <laughs> We weren't old enough to go upstairs, though. <laughs> it was a, we had to, you had to be a certain age. Um, anyways, with all of that, I just want to urge you that, you know, to fix a revenue problem by selling a short-term sale isn't going to solve our problem with it. So I hope that you really consider. Us at the foundation, we have put out with the Senior Center $20,000 for renderings for a new library at Grijalva. So how do we justify closing a library in one area and opening another one? And we've already invested money in this with it. So it's an extreme concern for me. So I hope that you guys will really give this consideration. I hope that you will talk to the library director and really get the numbers from her on what the Taft Library, who the Taft Library serves, their statistics. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn Marie. Uh, Katie Montgomery to be followed by Jim Dickinson. 
Good evening, uh, Mayor Slater and the council. Thank you for allowing me to speak this evening. Um, I have a couple of things that I'd like you to consider when you begin your discussion about um, item 5.1, sale of the Taft Branch Library. Um, I am Katie Montgomery. I'm one of the Orange Library Board of Trustees. And I am concerned about the potential closure and sale of the Taft Library. As others tonight, I'm sure, will attest to, the Taft Library is an important part of our community. They offer uh, residents on the north side of Orange not only a place to check out books, but also resources that they can use, space that they can utilize, and programs that they can experience. I'll let the, um, the other people that I know are coming up to speak expand on that a little bit more. I have two thoughts that um, I'd like you to consider when your discussion begins. The first one is that closing the Taft Library would be a permanent decision, um, but yet it would yield only temporary results um, in, in lessening the budget um, deficit. Uh, the budget issue is far bigger than the money from the sale of the library will fix but the library would be closed forever. If we wanna fix what is likely an ongoing problem uh, with the budget shortfall, I'd suggest that we focus it on approaches that will result in an ongoing revenue increase to address that, those budget shortfalls, rather than, than taking this one-time um, decision as like a Band-Aid fix for the moment. Uh, my second thing to think about is this is that the closure of a library results in the depreciation of home values in the surrounding area. Uh, the, the American Library Association has done research on this, and they have found that homes within a quarter of a mile of a library are valued on average across the United States at $10,000 less than homes uh, where there is a library within a quarter of a mile. In the case of Taft Library, this likely includes at least 1,000 homes, uh, that was just an estimate based on me looking at Zillow for a little bit and zooming in and zooming out. But if you take that into consideration, that is at least $10 million of total devaluation for homes in that area. So those are some things that, that I hope you keep in mind as you begin your discussion. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you, Katie. Jim Dickinson to be followed by Peggy Calvert. Good evening, uh, council members and the mayor. Uh, thank you very much for uh, giving us this time to speak on this subject matter. Uh, I am uh, disappointed to hear from uh, council member Tavalaris that uh, there is some enmity being exchanged on public social media regarding this subject matter. Uh, unfortunately, I think that the item being listed in the agenda in the way it was as a sale, even though the council member has talked about this was not meant to be necessarily talking about selling the ivory, but for other uses or to consider its place in the community. Uh, it's unfortunate that uh, this, the terminology was used in the way it was in the agenda, and I think that has engendered some of this um, concern that's going on in the public, in the community at large, relative to uh, the talk of a sale of this uh, library. So uh, again, going on with that uh, notion, uh, I've been personally a resident of the uh, Orange for 26 years. Uh, I just recently joined the Friends of the Library uh, two years ago as a director and uh, been involved in helping the Friends of the Library raise their revenue. And in the area that I manage, we have managed to, raise, to triple 
uh, revenue in our area, which is internet sales, uh, donations by uh, members of the community to uh, through Amazon. So we are doing those things that we feel can help the library. And it's a very special thing to me, uh, having grown up um, loving books, being a librarian assistant in my junior college, uh, plus becoming a history major. I have a love for books. All those being, things being said, I would like to remind, as the previous speaker did, that there are some tangible things that can occur relative to the library. There is property values can be man, can be improved by having uh, a library close by, um, accessed by those who read as well as those who are underserved by, um, or, or who are not do not do not have internet access use the library for that purpose it gives those who um, are uh, uh, who, who may um, have difficulties um, commuting anywhere in the city that low uh, that location to uh, come out of the home uh, come to a uh, a place where they can access both um, uh, current information uh, access through the internet, uh, as well as uh, the services that are given in support to the community by uh, the staff there at Taft. So again, I think that the important thing here is that we consider uh, how can we increase the usage of the Taft Library and perhaps not sell it outright. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Mr. Dickinson, Peggy Calvert to be followed by David Bustamante. <clears throat> Good evening, Mayor Slater and council members. My name is Peggy Calvert. I'm an alumni of El Medina High School and a longtime resident of Orange. I'm a trustee on the Orange Public Library and have led ukulele soup for the past 10 years. I didn't bring my ukulele tonight, more's the shame. <laughs> when is a library more than a library? When it is also a community center. The Taft Branch Library has a long list of programs and services that serve District 3 residents and other city residents as well. Besides the opportunity to access books, magazines, films, music in both digital, electronic, or hard copy, this library is host and partner with a plethora of local entities, including a local French academy, having directed donated French books their way, Fletcher Elementary Chinese Language Program by providing books and other resources in Mandarin, providing books and magazines and films in Spanish and in Vietnamese for families in District 3 and throughout our increasingly diverse community. The Taft Library partners with OC Workforce Solutions to provide assistance to community members who are job hunting and need assistance uh, to create a resume or brush up on interview skills. Job hunters who add to the city's economy and livelihood by shopping, working, and voting. The Taft Library is host to the Red Cross, allowing community members to easily donate blood in their own neighborhood. The Taft Library is host to a mobile eye clinic, allowing parents to provide their children the opportunity to test for vision problems and easily correct any problems standing between their child and successful reading and schoolwork. The Taft Library is host to numerous cultural celebrations, including the most recent Lunar New Year. The Taft Library has a seed lending library to allow children, teens, adults, and seniors 
to learn gardening and grow foods to supplement their grocery expenses where we have all felt the pinch. An upcoming game day is open to all ages, board games and more. Should you walk into the Taft Library during the work and school week, you will see children doing homework, adults doing research, and catching up on community news. The computers at the Taft Library are busy throughout the day. Because it is a neighborhood library, many who do not drive are able to access, access these services by walking or taking the bus. Taft Library is a people's library. It is within walking distance of Taft Elementary School. Some of the adult members of our community here tonight sat in that library doing homework. In short, the Taft Library is a valued and needed resource. I can only imagine that Councilmember Tavalaris, Councilmember of District 3, has placed item 5.1 on the agenda to give the community an opportunity to really study the benefits this library provides and how to add to those benefits. I'm sorry, Peg. My time's up. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, David Bissamonte to be followed by Bonnie Robinson. Really, I wanted to introduce myself to you. I've been January, the uh, Orange Public Library Foundation made a terrible decision. They chose me to be their president. Uh, and uh, what I would really like to say is that uh, because people from Orange always want to know how long you've been here, my family moved to Orange in uh, 1973 when I was 19 and at UCLA and uh, I've been watching this place for a long time, and I just am glad that I'm able to help. I'm also wanting to offer that the Orange Public Library Foundation is really here to offer the City Council information that you seek on how all three of our thriving libraries function and, and what you need to know to make decisions that are appropriate to you. So we look forward to assisting the Council to obtain the necessary information to evaluate the Taft uh, Branch Library uh, and the ways in which it serves our North Orange community. And if there's anything I can do to help, I'm here to do that. Thank you. Thank you, David. Uh, Bonnie Robinson, be followed by Peter Wetzel. Good, good evening, Mayor Slater and council members. I spent more than 40 years of my life teaching children how to read. I will never forget the excitement I felt as a young child when I could finally write my first and last name and could get my first library card. I've experienced firsthand the feeling of being able to check out numerous books and have experienced the pleasure of my own children, grandchild, neighboring children, and students express when they bring home a new stack of books to read. The Taft Branch Library is more than a repository of books. The Taft Library is a busy library. It is a local community center that stimulates thinking for all ages and offers programs where a caregiver can take a three to five-year-old for a morning story time, where children three to 12 years old can explore Legos and crafts, where community members of all ages can hear an engaging speaker and participate in an interactive program to learn about the solar system and other science topics, where middle and high schoolers can play games together, learning teamwork, as well as programs about smart use of money and credit. There are building competitions, winter and summer reading challenges, and art activities for all ages, tech classes for adults, and so much more. When I lived on Concord early in my marriage with a young child, the Taft Library was the one our family utilized regularly, and even though we no longer live in that neighborhood, my son still utilizes its services. The Taft Library provides access to computers to those who don't have access at home, a necessity in this day and age for all in order to file forms or get necessary information from public agencies as well as for students who require them for homework and research. 
The Taft Library is a program that encourages parents to read 1,000 books to their children before kindergarten with access to appropriate books to do so. Science-based research has demonstrated that there is a direct correlation between the number of words read to and heard by a young child before kindergarten and a child's success in learning to read. It helps to develop the language base and skills that are critical for the act of reading. Some residents aren't able to drive any longer due to age. Others may not always have access to a car. It is important that residents have a local library that they can walk to, whether it be with a child in a stroller, a teen after school, or a resident using a walker. In addition to the Taft Library itself, built in 1969, is historical value. It's unique architecture designed by Louis K. Glassbrenner, Richard K. Brooks, Jr. of Orange, fits in with the Eichler neighborhood. I realize that in the short term, a local library may not seem economically feasible. However, I expect our city council members to think long term about the benefits of a literate community with excellent schools and multiple local public libraries for the benefit of residents of all ages. When people are looking for a new home or considering whether to stay or not in the current one, these are neighborhood qualities that people care about. As far as um, Representative um, Councilmember Tavilores, I would like to reiterate what Mr. Dickinson said. Um, I am not on Facebook. I don't pay attention to social media. And when I saw on the agenda when it came out, sale of Taft Library, that's the way it was listed, I went, what? I need to be at that meeting. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. Peter Wetzel to be followed by Andrea Liu. Mayor Slater, members of the city council. Uh, I live in East Orange near the Elmo Library uh, branch. Um, I am a board member and past president of the Friends of the Library. And I can recall being here about 10 or 15 years ago in response to another financial problem when a similar proposal was made to shrink our library services. Uh, and in fact, I think some of you were on the city council at that time. <laughs> uh, I was happy and in, and in fact, I was proud that the city council at that time took the position that Providing library services, along with things like fire and police protection, is a core part of what city government owes to its citizens, and the proposals that were made at that time were rejected. Since that time, our library services have expanded to even better serve our, our uh, community, um, and I hope to see us continue to support the library services. As council member, Davalores points out, however, discussion of uh, facilities is always a worthwhile thing. And when it comes to the Taft Branch Library itself, I'm not wedded to keeping that building in location, but I do believe that if we sell that, we should not do it without a firm plan, not just a hope, but a plan to replace it somewhere else. Um, and also a timeline on this, not just something that we would hope to do in the future sometime. Uh, I believe that we need more library coverage in the north and west parts of our cities, not less. Uh, and I hope that any sale, funds from such sale would be kept for use in, in providing the replacement facility. Overall, it seems to me that selling a long-term asset to solve a short-term problem 
is not the best of government. So uh, as the discussion continues, um, I would not suggest or recommend selling the Taft Library in order to solve a, a financial problem today. And I, I urge you to preserve the library services uh, and to expand it and expand them in the north and west parts of the city. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Andrea Liu to be followed by Annabelle Baldessari. Hi, greetings. Uh, good evening, Mayor Slater and esteemed council members. Uh, my name is Andrea Louie, and um, I'm a board member on the Orange Mandarin Community Booster Club. Uh, we are a nonprofit um, that started about like uh, three and a half years ago. Uh, we serve the students learning Mandarin um, K through 12th um, in OUSD. And uh, we serve the um, students from uh, Orange, uh, from Fletcher Elementary School through Sarah Villa Middle School through uh, Villa Park High School. Um, I, I'm here today because uh, we have hosted several of our Mandarin Storytime Hour and craft events um, at uh, Taft Library for the past two and a half years. It's just been a wonderful experience for our um, students and community members. And we now have students that um, are in high school at Villa Park High School. And so they've been coming back to be able to read in Mandarin to, to the littles. And it's just been such a wonderful community bonding experience. And um, Taft has been such a gracious host. And, and so centrally located um, as a library, I mean, it serves many different elementary schools and middle schools, the Cambridge Elementary, Taft Elementary, Yorba Middle School, there's Serrano Elementary, Saraville Middle School, and like I said, we have um, high schoolers that come and uh, have been, it's like a full circle experience for them to be helping the, the little kids, you know, and, and speaking to them in Mandarin, like, I think there was a speaker, Peggy, before Peggy Calvert had spoken about, like, it's just different, um, you know, uh, ethnic groups that come and, and, and the library has just been so wonderful to us and we would hate to, to lose that. So, um, and also I just wanted to say, I want to um, apologize to Kathy Tavolaris because the Facebook, that was not, the words that were used were on a private group text among moms was not meant to be on social media. I do not know how it got on there. And that was not meant to be. I think the thing is because with the agenda item saying sale of Taft Branch Library, you know, it's just, it was, it was hard to feel like we could potentially lose the library. So I was really sorry. So I just really, it was not meant to be on social media at all. Okay, please. So anyways, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Andrea. Annabelle Baldessari, uh, to be followed by Jane Wolf. Good evening, Mayor and City Council members. Uh, my name is Annabelle Baldessari, and I am an owner um, and resident of Orange, and I live within walking distance of the Taft Library. Um, in 2015, when we bought our home, 
the fact that that library was there was um, a huge selling point for us because we have two little children. And when they were toddlers, I brought them to the story time on Tuesday mornings. And I think they still have it Tuesday mornings um, because it, when I drive by on Tuesday mornings, it's very busy. So I'm assuming it's still going on. But we use the library a lot. I pick up books for the kids at least two to four times a month. Um, they come in and they pick up books from the Spanish section because they are learning Spanish. So it's a really great resource for us. Um, we really enjoy this library. I feel like it's definitely part of our community and it's a community resource. I have used it when there's been um, construction in my home and there's too much noise. I go to do my work there because it's quiet. I don't want to go to Starbucks. I want a quiet space where I'm not going to be bothered. Um, I've used it when we have um, internet problems. We, our internet was down and the kids needed a place to do their homework and a lot of it requires internet. So we walk to the library and we're right there. You may not see a lot of cars parked in front of the library, but that is because a lot of people walk there. So um, it is a really great community resource and I'm just asking you to please do not sell it. Um, we really love it. I think a lot of families just found out about this item for discussion today and could not make this meeting, but they would all say, ask you to please not sell the library. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Annabelle. Jane Wolf. Yes. Good evening, um, Mayor and other council um, members. I'll, cut, I'll keep it short. This library has been very good for my two children. We walk to the library to do story time to check out books. So please keep it. Don't sell it. If you have any plan, let's say, just make the plan clear to everyone else. And again, the title, Sale of Taft Brand Library, just make people fear of losing it. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. That's the last public speaker. I'll bring it back to the council for, for discussion. Is there anything that uh, Kathy wanted to ask? staff for, for any information or just I want to thank all the speakers mayor I think every thank you for all your kind work thank you for all your kind words um thank you for explaining <coughs> that um as I mentioned uh, I've had a hard week this week with some family health issues so getting that today in the hospital bed was really jarring um I wouldn't be none of us would be doing our jobs unless we brought up these things for discussion. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but we wouldn't be I think you guys would be underserved if we didn't have these discussions. I think all of you who spoke can say you probably reached somebody today watching this who didn't know stuff that the library offers, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good thing. That so let's not be scared of discussions. Let's encourage discussions. I wouldn't be doing my job for North Orange if I didn't bring things up and say, how can we serve the people better? Um, as I've said over and over again, I'll tell you my secret dream has always been to move Taft Library to the mall. That's never going to happen. Talk to me after and I'll get a drink and explain it to you. But that's always been my dream, right? To enlarge it and to have like, you know, go shopping and, and go get some books and do reading time and stuff like that. Um, you know, if I ruled the world, that's what it would be. Um, but I don't rule the world. so. Um, just know that when we, when we are discussing these things and we bring it up, doesn't mean that we have some secret agenda to, to hurt people. We want to help people. And like I said, like this gentleman said, I think Pete, Peter, maybe, there, maybe we need a bigger library. I don't know. But if we don't discuss it, we don't know. 
And so I think it's really important, and I, I encourage you guys to come um, and, and talk to us and tell us how you're feeling. Mayor, what I was going to ask tonight <laughs> in the beginning was um, if when we were talking about the budget as we go forth, that, that we discuss Taft and all the facilities that the city owns to see what opportunities are out there for um, not only the library, but the fire department. We need, a new, we need a new fire department in the north, guys. I mean, station three is not doing too well. <laughs> That's a $12 million price tag. Um, the mall, again, buy me a martini. I'll tell you about the problems there. Um, there there's stuff going on, and we're, we're doing our best. Uh, but again, I just want you to know, you probably reached more people today with your comments than if, if this wasn't on the agenda. Um, I have a very unusual name. You can Google me and find the number. You can call the, the city manager. I'll take your call. If you have questions, just call me. I'm brutally honest. Uh, I might tell you something you don't want to hear, but you can always call any of us. I call John all the time and bug him about things. Um, Ariana probably you know, ignores my phone calls all the time. <laughs> so um, don't be scared of asking questions. And when you see something on Facebook, I don't do Facebook. Um, I just can't do it. It's too much emotion. Um, but if you see something and you have questions, make a phone call. And, you know, we can all do better. We can all do better because we're all neighbors. Most of us grew up together. And thank you for the Spartans for being here. <clears throat> so if we can just move this, uh, Mayor, to um, discuss with all the other um, facilities that the city owns during the budget, I would appreciate it. Okay, great. We have uh, two other quick speakers. and. <clears throat> I think you need a picture of uh, martinis yeah. for the Orange Mall. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Council Member Dimitri. Thanks. Um, so for the Chapman students that are sticking it out, trees, <laughs> libraries, this is riveting, right? So this is local government at its, at its best, I'll tell you. Um, so first of all, when you learn something new, I had no idea that we had an Orange Mandarin Booster Club. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, uh, you know, uh, the children learning a second or third language is important in this day and age, especially in the economy. So congratulations. That's really a neat thing. And, um, uh, you know, it'd be kind of neat to, to have the kids come down maybe someday and, and do a little presentation because I think it would be really, uh, really neat to see what they're doing and what they're learning and maybe, uh, maybe send us something that, that really kind of explains a little more because... I think it's, uh, it's, it's worth investing in the children's future. Um, so I know folks get really worked up pretty easily about change. I do. Uh, I'm the first person to say we can't do that because A, B, and C, and it's been like that for 50 years, and, um, you know, this, this curtain in this one room needs to stay that way because, you know, Andrew Glissell himself may have hung it. So... Um, I'm, I'm really big. When um, when it came when it comes to the Taft Library, it is incumbent upon uh, the council to identify any and all pieces of city property within the city's jurisdiction to look at use and best usage. It doesn't necessarily mean or result in sale. It doesn't necessarily mean or result that anything changes at all. For God's sakes, I remember uh, you know when we had the discussion. Um, at that time as just a private citizen of the expansion of the main library. Uh, what was my, uh, may, there's probably a couple of you that might remember me standing at 
well, the podium was over there at that time, but me standing at the podium to argue for one thing, and that was saving a giant paper mache dinosaur that was in the children's section. Um, I was, well, now it's dead because it was filled with mold, but, um, <laughs> but, yeah, but that was my, I, I was so concerned about that that I didn't want to change the entire library as a citizen, I fought, you know, saying we, we don't need the expenditure, we don't need this, we don't need that, but now it's a beautiful building. Um, you know, Peggy, when you, when you said, what's a library, when's a library more than a library, I think that's exactly kind of my thought on it, is what else can we do there? Maybe, you know, going to, to Mr. Wetzel's, identifying another area, that's possible. Do we, you know, the North End, having Fire Station 3 where it's located, to me personally, it's a disaster. It's in a residential neighborhood. Uh, it's, it's, at the time, it was a perfect spot. That is a better spot. Does it mean it'll ever happen? I doubt it. But is it a better spot? Absolutely. So it's worth the time, and, and it's worth investigating whether or not do we revamp the old fire station and turn it into a library? Do we turn the library into a fire station? I don't know. I'm not the professional that does that, but it's worth looking at. But when is a library more than a library? Well, it's when we can add things. Do we take part of the footprint that is that parking lot, which is huge, do we take a, a section of that? And in the West End on Main Street, we have a very popular community garden. Do we allow a raised community garden to be built there and to be used by residents? There's a lady, uh, uh, a young lady that has, a, uh, has beehives, if I remember correctly, right next door to the uh, Taft Library on the, uh, on the south end of the parking lot which I am sure that her bees would love a little community garden there to pollinate. Um, so I think there's some, there's some value in it. I know staff being kind of given the opportunity to look at um, properties throughout the city result in some really good projects, some projects that some of us on this dais would support, some would not, but it happens. Um, and going back to Mr. Wetzel, uh, I totally agree with you. West end of town needs a library. It needs services. We have uh, probably, if you, I bet if you went into the education of the school district, and you, or I'm sorry, you went to the school board, the board of education, and asked them, I bet you our highest illiteracy side uh, is probably in the West End where we, we lack those services. But gone are the days of the bookmobile, I remember. Uh, it would be great to see something like that again. Um, I don't think anybody is trying or wants to, to see the loss of a library or to see the loss of library services or education. I think it's imperative to, uh, to our, our children. It's imperative to our adults. But in the end, it's still re responsible to look at any piece of property. Now, that's why you have seven opinions, because there might be one person that comes up and says, hey, this is a great idea. You're going to have six people that fire back and say uh, no. Uh, and as Mr. Wetzel so uh, spoke about years ago, we had a, a firm, uh, and Councilmember Billadeau and I were on the dais, we had a firm that had come in and had made a very, very, very generous offer to take over all the library services and run them at a for-profit uh, method that would generate revenue for the city. Um, I was very proud then to vote no. Uh, as I would be today, to vote no. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't want to lose that control. Now, again, 
maybe Taft Library of giving the staff kind of an idea. Maybe it's to build a community center to, or, or to add on to, uh, for a community center. We don't have the money for it, but sure it would be nice to at least have the dream of it. Maybe it's adding something, some sort of a, a outdoor play area. We don't have the money for it, but it'd be nice to think about it. And it gives uh, you folks that have raised a significant amount of money through the foundation and uh, through the book sales for uh, 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 the store uh, targets. Uh, I think that's valuable too. So I, I think it's, it's healthy to have a discussion. However, like I said, nothing gets done in one night because everything moves at the speed of government. And I think, I think in the end though, I think uh, we can come up with some great ideas for the footprint itself to not just have a library services, but to actually enhance the opportunities that we see there. Thank you. Good points. Councilmember Gutierrez. Thank you, Mayor. And um, I want to thank the speakers that came out tonight. Um, I was with you. When I read this on the agenda, I went, still a Taft Branch Library, what? Being an educator, being a lover of libraries, um, I felt the same way, but I had to set that aside and I said, I have to listen to my colleague. I, why why is she, did she agendize this? We will have a discussion because I do have to be open-minded and allow good discussion. And sometimes discussion is, is difficult conversations. And this would have been a very difficult conversation for me because I am a lover of libraries and know how important, I 100% agree that we are civic duty, it's a public uh, duty is to have a literate community and offer these services and um, I and agree wholeheartedly the west side is poor and we need a library in that section poor of having services um, and so when I saw this I my eyes went wide open as well but I had to keep the open mind what is this about I didn't know exactly what it was about because the title didn't give me much except for that so I see where a lot of you were alarmed I'm very disappointed about how things go on social media, um, but know that there is no way that we could have this discussion if we don't do it transparently up in the open in front of everyone, and most importantly, have your voices heard, that you came down here and we had how many? 12 speakers on this topic. I'm certain that we would in order to even move up on any kind of any of our properties, particularly the libraries, we would need incredible amount of, of public input. Um, and again, I thank you all for being here. And yes, these are difficult conversations that we don't <clears throat> want to have. I know I didn't want to have it when I said, but I have to be open-minded and listen to all my colleagues. And I thank you all for being here. Um, and it is as difficult and it's, you know, I, I do know that you have all the Mandarin things going there, so I, I think it's fantastic. The things that we offer at our public libraries is we're the things that those people that are not in uh, public education yet, all our preschoolers or our adults, right? And um, what would what would our community be if we didn't offer these services? So our libraries are crucial. Um, our north side. Um, needing a fire station, we need that too, but we also need to look at how we're going to fund all these things. But um, how do we get Mr. Wetzel a library on the west side? We need to get that too. I agree with that 100%. Um, but, you know, we've got the east side covered. We've got um, downtown covered, north, 
You know, because I, I agree, it's a very walking, like the Almedina Library, it's a walking library. You don't necessarily see the cars, but the people are there. And I love the idea of the public uh, um, garden, because we just got one at Almedina as library. And that would be fantastic to add to the Taft Library as well. All of those are all learning experiences that we are, we have to think about and create a, a literate community and offer those services to them. And this was a difficult dis, uh, discussion to have, and I'm so glad that you were all here to lend your opinion and to, to talk about any of our properties. It's going to take an incredible amount of public input, and I thank you all. And I'm sorry, um, Councilmember Tavularis, that social media is so horrible. So I just had to voice that. Thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Gutierrez. Councilmember Bilodeau. Uh, yes, thank you. I'll be brief. Uh, I wanted to thank Councilwoman Tavalars for placing this on the agenda. It obviously spurred some discussion. And I know that uh, her motive at the end of this actually is to try to figure out how we're going to replace fire station number three on North Schaefer, which is functionally obsolete. And um, we need to do better to serve the public with that firehouse. It only has you know, the one entrance that fronts Schaefer, and I know they have uh, difficulty to get the equipment in and out of it uh, quickly. And, um, and it's not going to be cheap to replace that fire station. So uh, my kids um, growing up attended uh, Taft Library quite frequently for story time and, and for studying and a lot of things. Uh, I'm not exactly familiar with what the patronage is, is nowadays, but... I'm certainly not interested in uh, closing the library. Um, but uh, I do think discussion is healthy and um, kind of keeps us all on our toes. And, the, and two last things. Uh, I will remind everyone that uh, Councilman Dimitru, uh, about a decade ago, brought forward a proposal to, to rename the library um, the Joanne Kuntz uh, Branch Library, who was our first female councilwoman and mayor in Orange. Um, but unfortunately... Uh, it failed. We got outvoted um, three to two. So, um, but maybe we'll bring that back at some point. And um, um, <laughs> and um, that's about it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Council Member. So, um, thank you all, including uh, the public, for your your comments. So, um, I think uh, what your desire. Councilwoman Tavlaris is to remember to um, include this in discussion uh, overall um, properties that the city owns when we get to our, our budget discussions. Thank you. Great. Okay. Um, thank you so much. Um, any, yes, I was just going to get to that. Any other council members have any reports? Council Member Gutierrez. Yes, I just wanted to uh, invite the public to, and I have a photo. So Chapman University, um, this Saturday um, from three to five at the um, Argos Forum, we'll be having the community solar workshop. So I just wanted to invite the community out. This is part of that Office of Sustainability. So I wanted to invite the public out to this uh, event on March the 2nd here at Chapman University. And my other um, invitation out to the public and I'm going to show the slide, but I am going to give a warning that perhaps because of the rain, it will not be held at Grijalva, and perhaps it might even be canceled, but it's a, all due to a, a conversation that's going to be had tomorrow. But an, Cal Optima with 
Supervisor Sarmiento with Assemblymember Valencia, with uh, um, SSA, which is Social Security um, so, um, Administration, and City of Orange, uh, Orange Unified School District, getting together a resource fair, first time ever in the City of Orange, and was going to be held at Grijalva Park this Saturday. But with a 50% chance of rain, they do have a plan to mobilize and move to Almedina High School and be at the gym and out into the tennis courts area. Um, but there might, there's gonna be a meeting tomorrow to discuss of possibly changing the date altogether where we won't have any rain and we could come back to Grijalva. But I just wanted to put that out to the public that um, I, we will put it out on our social media page because I know it's been on the city website as well as I'm certain uh, Assemblymember Valencia will and uh, Supervisor Sarmiento will as well as um, Social Security agent and Cal Optima. They really want to make this a big event for our residents in Orange because they're inviting you for this health resource fair. There's going to be medical uh, vision, medical, medical and vision trucks there giving um, screenings. There's going to be like 20 plus vendors out and a lot of uh, a lot of staffing time has gone into our staff and staff from Cal Optima to get this event together, first time ever, and they wanted to have a good turnout, so the rain might deter it a bit for us. Um, know that <clears throat> we will do our best, and we want to try to replicate this as well on the west side of Orange in the future as well. So we're going to try it out for the first time at Grijalva Park on the east side of Orange, Let's hope that the rain stays away and we'll be able to. So I, I um, invite you all, hope that it will occur at Grijalva where it'll be bigger and spacious. But if, if the contingency plan, st contingency plan sticks, it will be at Almedina High School. There will be signage out at the park, just in case anybody forgets. But there is a talk that possibly postpone it for another day. But that conversation is going to be held tomorrow and I don't know yet, but I did want to put that out there since we were having our meeting today. So thank you so much for showing that graphic, and that was just it. All right, Mayor. thank you very much. If it does change, will it be on the city's website? Yes. But okay. I'm told from our city manager, yes, we'll put it on our city manager, and we can all put it on our social media pages. And um, I know that the assembly member and the supervisor will as well, as well as uh, um, OUSD has also been sending them out to their to the students as well. Very good. Thank, thank you. you. Any other council members, any reports? Okay, seeing none, we'll move. Yes. I just wanted to make a quick comment, and I had had my name on the speaker list before when all those people were in the audience because I just get really bothered that we have like these things on here, and yet we are, we've gone through a survey process. We're going to go through a massive strategic planning process, and all of those people need to be told and reminded and said, we need you back. We need you back to be part of that pro process and that discussion, and it just goes to what are we going to do? What is next for Orange? That is something that you've spearheaded, you know, and I'm so proud that to be part of that effort. I think it's so important. We're going to hear later in just a little bit about, you know, what our community thinks and wants, which is an important, you know, kind of tip of the spear of where we're going to go with strategic planning, but that is our, our chance to look at all this together as a community. And we have said over and over in terms of where our budget is at, it is unstable and unhealthy. And there are going to be pain points all over the city, and we are going to have to face that very soon. 
is there are gonna be a lot of uncomfortable conversations. Um, and we need to be telling our story now and getting people to come out so we can have those honest conversations together when we go through that effort. So I just wanted to say my piece, thanks. Thank you, Thank you for that. All right, um, moving on to item number six, AB 1234 reports. Any council members have anything to report? Seeing no one, uh, now item seven, administrative reports. <clears throat> 7.1, agreement with Tyler Technologies Incorporated for the upgrade of the city's enterprise resource planning system. Would any of my colleagues like a staff report? I've seen none. Uh, seen no speakers. <laughs> we have a motion to approve by Councilmember Gutierrez, a second by Mayor Pro Tim Barrios. Any other discussion? Seeing none, please vote. Is approved uh, six to zero, unanimously almost. Okay, item 7.2, approval and of plans and specifications for the demolition of the old fire station headquarters as part of the Grand Street parking lot project. Authorization to advertise for bids and finding a CEQA exemption. I'm pretty sure we want a staff report on this one. Staff, please go ahead. Good evening, Honorable Mayor and Council Members. In October 2022, the city's new headquarter was relocated to the new location on Water Street. Currently, the old head fire headquarter on Grand Street sits empty. The former fire headquarter building is more than 50 years old and is seismically deficient. The city had previously created a capital improvement project in anticipation of creating a bigger parking lot combining with the adjacent public parking area. The study of the site utilization as a consolidated parking lot is now complete and staff is seeking approval to demolish the existing HQ building now and to proceed with finalizing plans for parking expansion later this spring. <clears throat> as part of the study, the city completed a historic resource assessment in 2022 and found the HQ building does not have historic significance and is not a contributor to an existing or future historic district. Its original utilitarian use as a fire station is not economically feasible for other commercial uses. The proposed parking lot improvement will be completed in two phases for, for this site. Phase one will be the demolition of the fire HQ building. During phase one, staff will, on parallel track, finalize the plan for the proposed parking lot expansion, which will be phase two. The proposed parking lot will have a total of 119 parking spaces, which is a net gain of 77 parking spaces. This project will maximize parking spaces and overall circulation of the Grand Street parking lot. The additional parking spaces created will increase parking availability for the Old Town and Plaza area. The engineer's estimate for the demolition is about $650,000, including contingency and construction management. This concludes my presentation and happy to answer any questions you may have. Very good, thank you so much. Um, Council uh, Mayor Pro Tem Barros, did you have a question or did you? Okay, Council. 
Okay, we have one member of the public. No, no, question. Sorry. Oh, you do have a question, I'm yeah. sorry. <clears throat> uh, real quickly, um, would it, uh, towards construction, or towards demo and then construction of parking lot, would it not behoove us more to uh, potentially put out an, uh, an RFP um, to some folks that potentially could do uh, a design build, do the whole thing all encapsulated and actually then manage and run it, uh, run the parking for a set period of time where they have a charge to recoup the fees. I know it's done mm -hmm. um, in a number of places uh, throughout the United States where, uh, you know, uh, ABC construction builds the parking structure, manages the construct, uh, manages the project, manages the, the usage for a set period of time till they recoup their money plus their, uh, their overhead and then it's released back to the city as a city resource. Uh, is that not something? Has that not been considered, or is that something that you would need direction for, or uh, or is it too far down the road already? Uh, Council member, um, I, I, I'll, that is not something that we have really uh, contemplated. Um, that being said, as you know, we are in the midst of uh, finalizing a study for overall parking management uh, in the commercial part of Old Town, and so the intent would be that this parking facility would be part of that. And there is obviously the possibility, depending on what mechanism of parking management we do, that there would be parking fees, which then could be used to recoup some of that. Um, we have not explored any sort of design build option on that. That's certainly something that we could do. Um, but um, uh, it, it would be certainly a much more um, involved process um, than we've currently considered. Well, if we're going to, you know, obviously we're going to have to, we need to, to uh, we need to demolish the site. There's no question to that. But if there's the opportunity here by uh, imploring or entering into a contract with a company that does the demo, does the architectural work, does the construction, does the management, does all, all everything encapsulated, you know, uh, has a, you know, there'll be a, a, a parking charge when you use it, then after those years, the ability for us to recapture the structure through that procedure, wouldn't that be more beneficial to the city in the long run that we're not putting out, uh, you know, 650 plus whatever, whatever, whatever after that, that uh, they're funding that project and, and recapturing that money later, isn't, wouldn't that potentially be a better idea? We, we would have to do the analysis of that. I mean, uh, frankly, it's not something that had been considered at the staff level. We could certainly look into it. Um, but I, I really couldn't speak to, to the benefit pro or con of okay. it at this point. All right. Fair enough. Thank you. All right. Uh, we have one person from the public, uh, James Kushan. Sorry. He's turned the other direction. And his dog, Spike. <laughs> Good evening, Mr. Mayor, Madam Mayor Pro Tem, members of council, city staff, our first responders, and my fellow residents. Well, I wear two hats in this city for the sake of tonight, both as a resident and a member of one of our commissions. And I find it kind of interesting that this is coming through with our strategic plan planning sessions coming up in the very near future. One where, as, uh, as is referenced throughout the 
the staff uh, report, we had from the current uh, strategic plan, we referenced goal 1B to provide and maintain infrastructure necessary to ensure the public, the safety to the public. And yet, right under that 1C, assure the development of the city occurs in a fashion that man maximizes public safety. Our law enforcement does an exceptional job keeping us safe. But I know that we see an increase living in Old Town just a few blocks from where this parking lot will take, will increase 119 cars. Mm -hmm. It's not like there's just gonna be 119 cars that are on the streets or just gonna move into that parking lot. We're gonna see an increase of 50 mile an hour vehicles driving on South Orange Street, South Grand Street. Traffic enforcement needs to be increased. And this, is not, this hasn't been addressed because there's no CEQA study. I understand this was CEQA exempt. Doesn't mean a traffic study couldn't have been included. And who, who determined the necessity of this? I understand we have parking issues, but the necessity to ensure safety of the public. Okay, where is the, where is the study that ensured that it was a necessity? versus some other, what it, the opportunity cost of a different use. Parking may have been the ultimate use, but where was the transparency for the public? Another goal that was met, provide facilities and services to meet the customer expectations. I wasn't asked about my expectations and I'm a customer that lives two blocks away. I'm gonna be directly impacted by this. Walking, living, sleeping, 117, 119 cars head out of Old Town at one o'clock in the morning. A lot of them are gonna use South Orange Street. I know that because they do that right now. When you add the extra cars, it's gonna be a problem. And then when I look at it from another perspective, and I know this, uh, this far into the mayor's term, when the goal about the community and the transparency and the involvement what about the other options that could have been that could have gone there? For strategic plan goal 3A, 3B, 3E, provide facilities that serves to meet customer expectations. That goes on both sides of this, as the resident and from the commission perspective. Deliver high quality and safe recreational, social, environmental, educational, and cultural services, and on and on. Paseo would have been a beautiful, that could have been a beautiful spot for a Paseo possibly too. We will never know. Thank you. Thank you, James. Okay, back to Mayor Pro Tem. <clears throat> well, the, the city manager already knows I was pretty upset by this when it came across. Um, we are here again. I will say I went back and checked four separate times. We have talked about the demolition of the fire station and about looking at what we we're gonna do at that property. And in those, and it is the only thing that council, former council member Chip Monaco and I ever agreed on. That we were, <laughs> and that's saying something. Um, True. That we would not do anything about this site until we had a transparent and public conversation about it whether that meant a public hearing, whether that meant a community meeting. We, those details were never worked out, but that was always the intention and on four separate occasions because it came up again over the summer. It came up again last year. It came up again you know, the year before that, that, that we would not, we would bifurcate these issues. I have no problem whatsoever with the demolition of the fire station that has been approved almost three years ago at this point. It should just be, let's get it down and let's figure this out. And but. 
I am I need to ask my colleagues we promised the community and the neighborhoods in particular that we would have that conversation especially because there are and don't get me wrong I'm a huge fan of parking <laughs> you know parking I want more parking but there are also some ideas yours council member one of them I'd never even thought about that I'd never even had that thought there are other ideas that have come to me over the last several months about could we cut off a little part of this make pocket park you know something that would have a, you know some nice flavor for residents if we're going to go through this time and expense and energy about traffic and traffic flow and do parking can we protect some of the entry into neighborhoods like Orange Street or um, Grand Street going through to Hart Park so that those residents stop experiencing uh, the traffic cut through you know from um, our commercial districts but it has to be a full conversation about what we all want and need again Mr. Kachan you stole my thunder yes we're going through a strategic planning process this should have been part of that we made promises you know I just kind of feel like a dummy that for all the times we've talked about it we're here again having this conversation so I would like to move that we separate these two issues and move forward on just looking at the demolition of the fire station and uh, table the discussion of the grand screen about parking to a date uncertain. I don't even know what I want to say about that. I'm just so upset by it that we have that I have to have this conversation. But um, I would second that. Um, okay. So, do you want to clarify your, your motion again? I move that we move forward with the demolition of the uh, former fire station and table discussion of a parking lot until we can have a community meeting about that. How's that? I, that's clear. That has been seconded. So I'll um, weigh in under discussion. Um, I, I appreciate the city manager wanting to get this moved forward and getting things done and we clearly need parking in Old Town there's there's no question about that I'm absolutely for demolition of the fire station uh, we explored alternative uses and um, it's just needs too much work to even do that with it so it might as well come down <clears throat> but I was wondering if you would uh, consider in the second part of the motion perhaps um, coming back with a, uh, a plan for the property and that could be parking it could be a combination of things but at least to move it forward once after we have had a neighborhood uh, an opportunity for neighborhood input or is that essentially what you said that's essentially what I said okay so yeah so that could just be clarified so I want to make sure we keep the ball rolling but definitely, I agree with you. We definitely need to um, take a pause and do get some community input from both merchants and and the residents. So. Well, and I assume that they they were brought together because there's some you know economies of scale in terms of pricing if we did it all in one go. And I appreciate that. But I also think there's some other ideas that we haven't explored. Um, and and sadly, you know, for for better or for worse, we made promises and we made promises to be transparent about what would happen with that property. So um, and we've had people come with us wanting to use that property and we didn't go there either. And at that time we said, nope, sorry, we promised our neighbors this is what we would do. So question for clarification of staff. So the demolition process uh, going out to bid on that, that 
Would that have been a completely separate process anyway from the parking lot construction? Yes, just to clarify, the, the, actually the motion that was recommended was just to authorize the demo. Yes, we did speak about, the, I'll say, the next step of that, and, and we were looking at it from the standpoint of parking, but at this point, really all we're asking for is authorization to go out to bid for the demolition of the building, and there is no other part of the parking lot that's contemplated with that bid. And so the the amount of money that's on the staff report as it stands now is strictly for it the demolition? strictly for that was all that we were asking. See, again, again, it would have been so much better if we had just separated these issues and we had talked about it, you know? So, um, and not talked about it here. I don't want to embarrass anyone, but we've just talked about this a couple of times here, you know, just, a quick call, Mr. City Manager, would have like saved a whole lot of heartache on this. But then if that's the case, then yeah, let's move forward with the demolition as it's written in the staff report. So we have a motion and a second. Any other discussion, comments that I'll call for the vote? But Mayor, can I? I oh, please. I sir. just want to make certain that what Mayor Pro Tem asked for, that we will have this as part of our strategic plan conversations with the public. Mm -hmm. as to what we will do with that property, because I'm certain that's what you said as well. Just want to clarify that and make sure that staff knows. Yeah, bring it forward. Community meeting, bring it forward. There you go. Thank you. City Manager, do you have a question? Yeah, and I do want to apologize a couple things. Again, the word transparency, I want to make sure that there's nothing nefarious. When people say transparency, I take it that we're going to hide something. And again, I apologize for the phone call, but for me, when I read the staff report, and staff, even though it mentions the parking lot, the motion was just for the demolition. And so I apologize. I'll, okay. I'll take that extra step. It wasn't clear at all, was it? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I agree. All right. Please vote. Okay. So that is approved in six to zero. Council Member Gillenhammer not present. <clears throat> okay. Item 7.3 presentation from Fairbank, Maslin, Mullen, Metz, and Associates on the results from the citywide survey that studied the feasibility of potential revenue measures and identified budget and service priorities. And I've been uh, requested before you begin, if we could have a quick break. So prior to handing the report off to Dr. Richard Bernard, to briefly recap the events culminating to tonight's presentation, at the October 3rd council meeting, in a discussion of the city's overall financial position and growing deficit, the council directed staff to come back with an agreement with the research firm to study the feasibility of a potential sales tax increase and transient occupancy tax increase, along with identifying service and budget priorities. On October 24th, the council approved an agreement with FM3 and with the council's direction understood, FM3 drafted and distributed the survey mid-December, and since then, FM3 has gathered the results, and Dr. Richard Bernard of FM3 will now detail those findings. Thanks so much. Um, good evening, Honorable Mayor, Mayor Pro Tem, City Council members, staff. Um, I wanna thank you for inviting me to present the results of your resident survey. Uh, we conducted the survey between 
December 12th and the 20th of uh, last year. It was a dual mode, sur dual mode survey, so a random portion of the respondents took the survey on the phone and a random portion online. In fact, 48% took it on the phone and 52% took it online. Uh, we interviewed a random sample of 947 City of Orange uh, registered voters who are likely to vote in the November 24 election based on their past voter his history or if they've recently registered to vote, which implied that there might be some interest in an upcoming election. Um, four questions asked to the full sample, the, plus, the margin of error is plus or minus 3.7. In some cases, and particularly the case, our, our charge, as um, was just mentioned, was to test a sales tax and a TOT. And so rather than negotiating between measures, a random half the sample was selected and we asked sales tax questions throughout the survey. And the other random half was asked the TOT questions throughout the survey. And in those cases, the margin of error is plus or minus 4.6. We contacted your residents by telephone, email, and text, and we offered the survey in English, Spanish, and Vietnamese. And if you're very quick on math and notice something doesn't quite equal 100%, I blame that entirely on a rounding error. So I want to start off a little bit with the mood and perception of the city. I know that the city council was interested in getting some sort of resident satisfaction questions as well as learning a little bit about uh, people's perceptions about um, a potential revenue measure. So I'd like to start with a couple of those questions. We began the survey by asking whether they thought um, things in the city were headed in the right direction or if they thought things were off on the wrong track. Um, a plurality of folks said, 46% said that things were headed in the right direction, 27% wrong track, with 27% uncertain whether it was right direction or wrong track or they just felt they were not, were not following the city closely enough to know enough to offer an opinion. Comparatively, that number is a pretty good number in this day and age. Had we probably taken the survey a year previously, we would have found the numbers much better. But there are a number of factors that people are um, considering when they're answering this question in other jurisdictions, both in Orange County and um, in Southern California. Namely, and this is true of your community in many of respects, um, it varies from order, but nonetheless, uh, issues related to homelessness, crime, particularly property crime, um, the cost of housing, and uh, the cost of living in general, the latter of which you have very little control over, but at least the, the other three items um, you have some control over. And we'll see in a moment that it's uh, no difference in terms of the story in your city. We asked them before we talked about anything else, what do you think is the most serious issue facing residents in the city of Orange that you'd like to see city government do something about? This was an open-ended question, so in their own words, and then we grouped, grouped the responses together and we allowed for multiple responses. So if you add up and you see it being more than 100%, that's why. The number one item volunteered top of mind was issues related to homelessness at 33%. Very closely behind were public safety issues or related to crime, safety, and drugs at 27% and affordable housing at 14%. So very similar to many of the communities that um, you, you're surrounded by. Traffic congestion and parking was 8% and 
Um, many folks uh, feel that the city must be running school, the school district. And so 6% um, said education. And in the, in the country, there are some cities that do run the school district, but um, I can only think of one in California that has any kind of um, control over at least portion of it, and that's LAUSD, in it, and that's marginal, but certainly you do not. Um, so th these are some of the items that were top of mind that were mentioned. Um, now, before I get into uh, the main charge of this uh, survey, um, I had wanted to ask them a conceptual question. Do they even think that there's a need for additional funds to provide the level of city services that Orange residents uh, need and want? Um, rem remembering that the margin of error for questions asked of everyone is plus or minus 3.3, um, 60% said there was at least some need for additional funds, with only 25% saying a great need. So if I'm looking at a potential um, general purpose measure of 50 plus one, I'm looking for measurements that are above that measure of 50 plus one, with the margin of error on the high end with that 60%, the perception at least is that about a little bit more than 63% perceive there's a greater some need, on the low end, it's 50, a little bit uh, less than 57%. But nonetheless, there is a sense of need. The problem here, it's a modest, great need. And for you to be successful, people have to get that there is a need. And I partly attributed it to the fact that this, and I work for a lot of cities, so um, it's a comparative analysis, is a well-run city. And when, a, when you have a city that's well, I'm like scolding you for doing a good job. Sorry, I don't mean to do that. But when you have a good city, a well-run city, people don't see the cracks. They don't see the um, infrastructure that is deferred maintenance. They don't see that people with less are working harder. And at some point, it catches up with you. And so when you ask folks, is there a need, everyone's saying, you know, there's some, but not a lot. And so that's important when you're going into a question about whether they're willing to um, pay for additional taxes. So I'll remind you that my charge was to ask about a sales tax, a 1% sales tax, which your finance folks told me would generate about $50 million annually. And then half the sample only heard a sales tax throughout the survey, the other half heard about a transient occupancy tax, often known as a TOT, and there um, the thought was to raise it from the current 10% to 15%, which would generate $2.7 million. These questions were reviewed by your legal counsel, I appreciate that, and they were deemed to, to be legally permissible. It doesn't help you if I test this amazing question and then legal counsel says we would never place it on the ballot. Uh, then the, the numbers are useless. So we tried to uh, create a question that fulfilled all legal obligations. And I'll, uh, and I'll remind you, because it's a general purpose sales tax, we can't guarantee that any of the money will actually go to these items. They will only simply go into the general fund if you choose to place it on the ballot. I'm not trying to get ahead of you. And if it's successful, I'm not trying to get ahead of your voters, but in that order, um, it will go into a general fund mm -hmm and it will be at the discretion of each and every council per year how they want to distribute the funds. That's just how it will go. So we asked these respective questions. I'd like to start with the sales tax first. 
Um, we, we gave them that question, either we read it on the phone or they read it online. And after they uh, read it or heard it, we said, if there were an election today, would you vote yes in favor or no to oppose? If they said they would vote yes in favor, we asked them, is that definitely or probably? Because we want to know the intensity. The folks who say, yeah, definitely I'm in, the percentage of definitely yeses. If they said no, I, we asked them, is that definitely or probably? Because we want to know the percentage of intensity that definitely no. Who are the folks who um, are not going to be voting for this? And then if people said they were undecided, we pushed them a little. We said, well, would you, would you vote yes or would you vote no? If they said they'd vote yes, we put them in the yes camp, no in the no camp. And in this particular question, 7% said, I'm still undecided. I need to know more. So on the initial vote uh, for a 50 plus one measure, um, the initial vote was 50% yes, 43% no, and 7% undecided. That definitely yes, in my experience, is quite low. You would want something at least in the mid-30s. Um, I've certain, certainly seen low 30s be successful, a general, general purpose measure. But at least on the initial measure, you, you sort of have a polarized electorate where a little bit more than a quarter are saying definitely yes, and a little bit more than a quarter are saying definitely no. And if I use that margin of error test, assuming everything goes your way, and the margin of error is 4.6, but I'll be a little lazy and say five for simple math, um, on the high end you're at 55, and at the low end the measure is at 45. And so for me it's a, it's a coin flip, and it's not an even coin flip, and not in the direction, at least at this moment. But we're going to try to see what impact simulated education has on a potential measure. I wanted to show one demographic slide that really is illustrative and uh, one of the key points that I'm trying to make tonight. You'll remember earlier in the presentation, I asked if they perceived there was a need for additional funds. And people got the choice of great need, some need, a little need, no need, or they volunteered, they didn't know. The blue bar are the folks who said definitely, probably, or lean yes on the measure you just saw. The orange bar are the folks who said definitely, probably, or lean no on the measure you just saw, and the gray are the undecided. The more people perceive there is a need for additional funds, the more likely they are to vote yes on the measure. Um, this tells me education, education, education could have a very uh, significant impact on the likelihood of a successful measure. I had asked the city and they said that was fine. If, we, if I could go back and ask them after we asked about that one cent, if a half cent might be more of, the, of your voters liking. So I reminded them that a one cent generated approximately 50 million and I said, well, what happens if a half cent, if instead the measure was a half cent sales tax or a 1%, sorry, half percent sales tax, and it generated 25 million, would you vote yes in favor and no to oppose? There really wasn't much difference statistically in terms of uh, the level of support. Um, and so at this point, you know, in both cases, um, it doesn't look well for, uh, for the sales tax, but we'll come back. Let's turn to the TOT that I showed you earlier. We asked that same question if in the election today, how would you vote? Would you vote yes in favor or no to oppose? In this case, 64% said they would vote yes, either definitely, probably, or lean yes. 25% said definitely, probably, or lean no. And 11% were undecided. 
using that margin of error test of about 5% on the total ES, it would go from a 69 to a 59, but above the 50 plus one, um, um, well, 50 plus one required to pass a general purpose measure. And again, I wanted to show you for those folks who responded to whether there was a need for additional funds, this clearly illustrates the more they perceive there's a need for additional <clears throat> funds, the more likely they are to vote yes. Again, the blue is the total yes, the orange is the total no, and the gray is the undecided. I wanna to move to the section on budget priorities. Um, even if you choose not to move forward on any kind of measure in, in uh, this year, I think this is a really helpful tool in discussing uh, your budget, which I know you'll be doing at some point. Uh, we tested a lot of items and we said, regardless of whether you support the measure or not, how important would it be to include this in the measure. And this in effect is a good opportunity to assess budget priorities of your residents. We don't get this opportunity very often. You might as well take advantage of it. Um, I'm going to show you tonight 28 items. Um, we gave them the option that we randomly presented to them so there was no bias effect of one being first, second or, or last. Um, every, you know, people heard different orders. Um, and we gave them the option uh, after asking them, regardless of whether you support the measure, how important would it be to include it in the measure? We gave them the option of extremely important, which is the dark blue, so very important, which is the mid color blue. I've aggregated the extremely and very important on the right hand side and ranked it as such. The, the dullest of blues is somewhat important and the orange is a combination of folks who said it was not important or they didn't know enough to offer an opinion. So I, I have three, uh, as you know, uh, or as you'll be able to see, I have three slides uh, of the 28 items. Of the 28 items, 18% received 80% or more in terms of extremely or very important with 15 um, receiving 70% or more. So the first thing I wanna tell you is that not every city can I come to and say, your priorities are pretty consistent with voter priorities. So um, it's telling me that you are in touch with your residents, which is always nice to hear if you're a council member. Um, there's a lot of similarities. You'll also notice in terms of the ranking that on that first page, all but one is public safety related. And as I understand a disproportionate number of your general fund budget as in almost every city, if not every city is dedicated to public safety. So um, it's, in, in, it's in alignment and it includes issues related to, to fire, fire and paramedic services as well as um, issues related to um, re recruiting and retaining well-trained uh, police officers and dealing with property crimes, um, particularly as it relates to thefts and burglaries. If we go down to the next page, you will see additional um, uh, issues related to public safety. Um, the first item that isn't exactly public safety, though it is debatable, is addressing homelessness. That score is very high on that first page. It's the second from the bottom item. And then you have to go down about uh, four or five items to repairing streets and potholes, of which after every <coughs> rain, it gets worse and worse and worse, um, and maintaining safer routes to schools. Um, and if you go down to the uh, last two items on this slide, 
you'll notice that maintaining city services scores quite high at 79%, though the intensity is not as great as you saw on the other pages with 60s and 50s for extremely important. But it tells me people like what they have and they want to make sure that you can maintain it. And that's often the struggle for a city that might have a structural deficit. Um, and maintaining parks also scores quite high. If it's a general purpose measure, you can't only, in your ballot question at least, have public safety items because then it, it's considered a dedicated measure, which would require a two-thirds vote. And um, it's in my assessment that you will not be able to, at this time, get a two-thirds vote on a measure, but you could certainly expand that definition so it stays within the definition of a general purpose measure. And, and then just simply at the, you know, the bottom of the list is that uh, it goes down to 70%, but you could see a variety of things. At the uh, fourth item, that intensity, extremely important, pops up again at 56%, reducing the availability of opioids such as fentanyl, which is such a, um, a crippling issue in our country. <clears throat> So I'd now like to move into the additional simulation of education. Um, now, uh, as a city, as you know, you can't advocate. You can do anything what you, you want on your own time, but not uh, with the city dollar, with city phones, with city um, of, um, computers and the like. Um, but we wanted to simulate some educational statements to see if that impacted um, the votes on those two particular measures. So we randomized a series of statements. Um, I'm going to show you nine statements tonight, but um, I promise I won't, read, I won't read every one of them. Um, and after each statement, we said, tell me if it makes you more inclined to vote yes on the measure. If they said it did, we asked them, is that much more inclined, which is the dark blue, or somewhat more inclined, which is the bright blue? And I've aggregated the total more inclined to vote yes on the measure on the right-hand side. The words in the parentheses, response times, dash medical, homelessness, parks, are simply the themes of those particular messages. We did not uh, read those words to them. We did read or they read the uh, messages if they were online. Um, among the top items include issues related to response times. Um, we kind of prese presented a problem solution uh, statement. Um, and so among the higher ones include, so far this year alone, approximately 83% of calls, and this was in 20, uh, 2023, 83% of calls in the city of Orange Fire Department have been related to medical emergencies. And so asking for the fire to have fire folks and paramedics to have the life-saving equipment and be able to maintain emergency response times to save lives. 73% said they'd much be much or somewhat more inclined to support the measure. We did a homelessness um, a statement about a measure, uh, an argument about parks, wildfire, and then note the property crimes. That one spiked in terms of intensity at 40%. So after um, communicating many of these statements to respondents, we re-asked the 1% uh, sales tax. On the left-hand side was that initial vote with just ballot title and summary, which you saw earlier, which I went through in detail. That was 50, 43, yes, uh, 43, no. 
after telling them, them what uh, illustrative examples of what the money could be used for and telling your story in a somewhat a non-advocacy way, we re-asked that ballot question and support went up to 60%. Um, now, the definitely, yes, I'll be honest with you, it's still lower than I would like. I'd like it to be at this point in the high 30s, low 40s, but you'll know the definitely no, which I generally see as a floor of about 20%, is about where I'd, I'd be comfortable for it to be. Um, if everything went well for the measure, you did a lot of public outreach, and this kind of was the result, uh, using that margin of error test of about 5%, on the high end, you'd be at 65, on the low at 55, but that would require everything goes in the direction of the measure. And it would have to assume that there was um, modest opposition. If we then go to the TOT, that again only generates 2.7 million rather than the 50 million from the 1% sales tax, the initial vote that you saw earlier was 64.25, yes, no. After telling them what the money could be used for and some educational statements, support goes up six points to 70%. You're in a healthier place than the definitely yes at 40% and an extremely low definitely no of 11%. Um, using that margin of error test again on the total yes, saying it's five approximately on the high end and 75 on the low end at 65. And just for a sense of comparison, I've already talked about each of these um, different panels. So just to see the differences between the 1% uh, sales tax and the TOT. So you can see how it plays out comparatively. In conclusion, um, general perceptions of the city, a plurality perceived things in the city are headed in the right direction. I think you have pretty good numbers there. It was a relatively low percentage that thought things were off on the wrong track. I have seen considerably worse numbers in a lot of cities. You're doing well. Um, top of mind concerns include homelessness, crime, safety, drugs, and affordable housing. Six in 10 perceive the city has a need for at least some additional funds. My concern, it's only a quarter that's a great need. It's kind of modest. Um, in many ways, your success, you, by your success, you've had to take responsibility for that, um, that perception. A sales tax could be viable, but would require considerable educational outreach and a modest opposition effort. A TOT increase of 5% with education appears viable. And certainly at this point, based on the baseline preliminary data, suggests that it is more viable at this point than um, effort, uh, on, at the T, uh, uh, for the sales tax. But I'll, I'll kind of leave it, um, well, sorry, I'll give you the budget priorities. Um, most of them were public safety related. Um, with the addition of addressing homelessness. My takeaway here is um, if, if you so desire to at least consider, you know, in the future some kind of revenue measure, um, that it would be imperative that you start the, the educational effort. And that would include both a listening session, right? This is only, uh, and I think you've talked about it earlier in, in the, um, in the evening that it's important to reach out to the community and listen more. This is a sort of one data point. It's a really good start. It's a generalized survey over a community, but um, not everyone got to answer the survey and they'll want to share their opinions. So listening is always good and certainly educating them and telling your story 
can make a big, big difference in terms of the likelihood of success. Thank you for your time, and I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much. That was very informative. I'm going to start off with a question. Perhaps City Clerk can answer it. Um, where are we at this year with regards to timing to if we decide to put something on the fall ballot? Uh, thank you, Mayor. As long as we have the last public hearing by the end of May, the last second meeting in May, we can still um, adopt those resolutions in June to place the ballot on the measure or the, on the November election. First meeting in June? Uh, by the second meeting in June. Okay, great. Thank I'm sorry. You. By this, the public hearing by the last meeting in May, the first meeting in June is when we would bring the resolutions for adoption. Great. Thank you very much. Okay, council, questions? Uh, let's see. We need to get back to our... <clears throat> Thank you. Mayor Pro Tem Barrios. My first question, Dr. Menard. Um, when you test for these things, are you looking strictly if it's just TOT and just sales tax, or do you um, do you see other jurisdictions going out for both at the same time? What what is what does that usually look like? Sure. Well, um, I think that this city was in incredibly thoughtful, and I don't always get this opportunity. Sometimes I'll have to test three measures at one time in a survey and there's fatigue. Mm -hmm. So the way you had me structure it and, and I followed your lead, your, 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 the council's lead, was that you didn't want to start negotiating. Um, it seems to me in certain cities that uh, depending on the demographics, they could pass multiple measures at any one time. I think uh, the lack of historical experience in your city would suggest uh, an approach of a more modest approach of maybe one at a time mm -hmm. would be uh, the right people have to get used to it the city has to get used to it how do you how do, how does that play out um, and so this allowed me to not have to negotiate between measures and got uh, we were able to get a clean read on this um, I think it's really interesting what, you know, you had to sit through our whole meeting tonight and saw some very passionate um, community members talk about their lo local library. Um, what I find interesting in, in kind of the survey feedback that you got in terms of they don't perceive a great need. But clearly, when people perceive a need that something might be taken away, pitchforks and torches, you know, so is that is that kind of the nuance of the argument is it things are crumbling down around us you know so therefore we have great need or is it is it also education of you want to maintain you're here you like what you have you everything's well run but there's that threat it's more about the threat of losing rather than yeah. that things are terrible right now yeah it's a great question um it's clear from your data maintaining is the theme, right? Mm -hmm. And um, unless they know otherwise, they're going to assume things are smooth running and 100%. You know, I'm going to wake up in the morning and everything in orange is going to be what it was like the night before, mm -hmm. right? And um, when they're hit with information such as what happened, you know, today, and there wasn't even any malice in that, right? There was just uh <laughs> Just want to talk about the library. That was it. Um, um, I mean, in a way, kudos for them because they care about their city, right? Like everyone, you wouldn't be, this is not a glamorous job. You would not be doing this if, if you didn't care about your city. Um, and so that's great. But 
it has to be on a larger scale than seven people coming into a room for you to be successful. And everyone has their own issue, right? right. Um, these folks, for them, the library is really important, as it should be, mm -hmm. right? For other folks, it's about making sure their kids can walk to school safely. And for other folks, it's about when they call 911 that they come immediately and you know, they're not worrying about smash and grabs or any other kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my next question, and this um, actually, and it might be premature, but I actually had a question for um, our finance director. Um, so come on down. <laughs> um, obvious, and I'll ask my question while you come up. Obviously, the data isn't super strong showing that, you know, go for it in terms of the sales tax item. However, my gut feeling based on our past conversations, my conversation with city managers, we don't have much of a choice. And we haven't gotten into our full budget discussions, but can you shine a little light on what we're facing? Because we did a lot of spit, gum, duct tape, spray paint to fix the budget last, but those were structural issues that aren't going away and only gonna get worse. So where are we, what's, where are we going into? Yes, um, so we're still working through all of the budget requests and decision package that we received from the departments. Um, but just based on historical information uh, for fiscal year 24. Can you pull the mic a little closer oh, to you? I'm sorry. No, it's okay. For fiscal year 24, we started out the budget study session back in May of 2023 showing a deficit of about $10 million. Mm -hmm. And the financial model that we did, uh, that I presented last October, showing the same information that we're looking at a structural deficit of about 10 million every year here on out. Mm -hmm. And it's only gonna grow right. exponentially over the next 10 years. So based on that information, I can say we're probably looking at somewhere between 10, 12 million for 25, unless we find a way to fix that problem like we did in 24 by looking at you know, vacancy rates right. possibly, <clears throat> continue to defer some of that infrastructure maintenance that we need, um, possibly continuing to borrow from fund balance and other funds to help us balance the budget. So we'll continue to look at way to have a balanced budget by July 1st, but it's only gonna continue unless we find a permanent solution. More gum, more spit, more tape, <laughs> right? Okay, yes. so just to be clear, what you're saying is where we were last year going into the budget at a $6 million deficit, what you're forecasting now is that going into next year's budget is actually worse at yes. 10 million. Yes. Yay us. Okay, so with that, would your professional recommendation be that we really don't have much of a choice in terms of making a dramatic move mm -hmm even if there's some risk that we will not win? We would definitely need to find a permanent solution. Um, our temporary budget balancing measure is temporary, it's one time, <clears throat> and we're gonna have to do that every single year until we find a permanent solution. Now that permanent solution can be revenue or expenditure depending on council direction, but it needs to be permanent. It can't be temporary. We can't say, let's continue to freeze vacancy. Right again, is temporary, but then when you get requests for services, we have no one to get the service done for the resident or the community. 
then we're like, okay, now let's hire people. It takes time. Everything sure. takes time. Whether you do revenue or expenditure, everything takes time to come up to that solution. So even if you put a, a measure on the ballot in November, we're not going to see anything until 2026. Right. So we're still going to have to do some temporary measure to get us through probably another 12 to 18 months until we see some relief. So well, that's a really good time. point. Thank you. So everything takes time. So I would urge council to consider a permanent solution now rather than later. Well, and that brings me to my next point. I'm sorry, I've got a whole lot of them here. Yes. Um, so I'm so glad that you tested both the half and the full. Um, that gave me a lot of comfort to see where we're at. What's interesting is that now that we're looking at a $10 million structural deficit, is the 25 million enough? And do we, you know, I mean, the 50 million, that looks amazing. You know, let's do that. Everybody gets a new library, you know, all <laughs> kinds of fun. Jacuzzis for all. And, um, but is 25 million as a sales tax at a half cent, is that, is that going to be a big enough change? so that we meet our residents halfway. You want things, we want to give you things, but we need to do this. That's a loaded question that I'm not sure I'm ready to answer um, because we have a lot of deferred maintenance that we haven't even factored into the equation at this point. Which we, um, had on the, we had on tonight just doing the technology that your department needs that's, you know, it's yeah. been 10 years since that has been looked at properly, which is just, it's shameful. Yeah, so it's, there's a lot of things that we've been deferring, like our vehicle, our fleet, we haven't been funding it the proper way that we should be funding. Our infrastructure repair, we haven't been even considered that. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have pension, our unfunded liability. That's another topic that's coming up in the, the following agenda. So we have all of these things that we haven't even put into the model for consideration, and we're already looking at $10 million. So yeah, I have a hundred-year-old sewer in front of my house. So yeah, I I, I feel so, that pain. I know yeah, that Chris so Cash feels that pain of yeah. what happens if that happens. So yeah, yeah. so it's, it's very difficult for me to stand here and tell you that you know a half set you know may get us by, but maybe it will get us by <clears throat> another five years and then we have to go back again. It's, I, I don't know. Unfortunately, I can't really answer that question at this point. I would need a little bit more time to be able to answer sure. that. No, no, I, I appreciate that. So, um, Dr. Bernard, what do you mean when you talk about education? What, what does that look like? Well, um, I'll start by saying time is not your friend. Um, it, it is not in this respect. Um, it means going out and telling your story. Um, you also can't target people, so you have to basically tell the story to all the folks in the city, most of whom don't know from the survey, clearly it's a problem. And it's about a lot of listening sessions, too, because people want to be heard. So it's a combination of both. Okay. Um, could that, and maybe this is a question for the city manager, could that be folded into the strategic planning we're already planning on doing, or is it a completely separate effort? I'm going to say it's a separate effort. Okay. Uh, yes. And it's basically by these dates that the mayor asked it would be between now and the end of May. Yes? Or even, what, are we talking about 30? That would, you're going to give me some awful number. No, right I'm here. actually going to give you a, an off-ramp, but I don't think the city clerk will like me. Um, the Sorry. Um, and I just gave you my card. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I know the state law 
is that everything has to be in by, I think, August 8th or 9th? Is August right? 9th, yeah. August 9th. Mm -hmm. um, I understand that the county registrar may have different dates, and I appreciate um, the city clerk may have also different dates. Um, but the longer your runway is, the better it is for you, because once you, and again, not getting ahead of you, but if you chose to place this on the ballot, and by the way, you need a supermajority to place it on the ballot for a general purpose measure. In if terms of the council, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Um, which means you need, I believe, five of seven votes. Um, it's always good to have unanimous. I'm just telling you that. Um, I know it's out of everyone's control. Um, but once you place it on the ballot, uh, you are restricted from doing much outreach and I would defer to legal counsel to confirm that. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. That was easy. Okay. So, um, all right. So, so that closes the window at whatever is the public hearing, the end of the public hearing, or when we actually take our final vote to put it on the ballot. That's when that education piece ends. Correct. You can okay. do some good, I believe, good civic government stuff by telling folks where the vote centers are and when the elections are. And you may, depending, and I won't speak for the uh, for um, legal counsel, but in some jurisdictions, they'll la let you actually put the ballot question on the documents you're sending to say, Here's the vote center. This is a question that is, you know, being sponsored by the city for your consideration. But in no way throughout the whole process can you advocate a yes or a no vote. You just have to tell them this is this is on the ballot. Good luck. And Mr. City Manager, just as a final question, because I know my colleagues want to speak, um, or maybe they don't. Um, are you looking for a city staff direction on um, either next steps or are you, um, should we, Mr. City Attorney, this was put in as just a receive and file. Are we allowed to give some direction? What are we able to do tonight? I think one of the items is discuss results and provide direction to city staff. Okay. Um, so if we wanted to make some directions of exploratory work on what communication uh, communication would look like and what um, additional maybe survey needs we might need if we're going to go and take this final step. Yes, Mayor Pro Tem, what, what we would be looking for is some direction from council, as, as we said, um, to look at... Uh, outsourcing a, uh, a public education firm. Um, and I also want to emphasize the fact that we're doing public e education <laughs> is not committing us to placing a ballot measure. Mm -hmm. We're doing the public education and then following up with the statistical data to show are we getting movement. Right. Um, and um, as uh, Richard said um, that uh, unfortunately time is not our friend. Um, we have, uh, again, trying to get ahead of the power curve a little bit. Um, staff has been some direction to, to do some exploring. Obviously, no decisions being made until we get direction from council. Um, and, and then um, what I would also recommend that we can talk about, uh, potentially, if we, go, if we do get direction to move ahead with um, this uh, education component, I would 
<clears throat> either ask or recommend a, that maybe we create an ad hoc committee with city council members because I think this is so important that we have real time uh, decision making and input from maybe uh, I'll leave it to council. I was thinking maybe three members, um, but we can discuss that either um, at the next meeting or, or whenever council decides. And I, because I do think that um, this is of such uh, importance that we have staff and, and, and council working basically um, hand in hand with this. Right. And would your preference be either just looking ahead both measures or just the one? Um, Obviously sales tax is going to have the bigger impact overall. At this point, again, I would say that um, TOT looks good, but, but it doesn't get us there. It doesn't even get us close. And would we be wasting our capital in, in, in the, in the that TOT? Um, that, and, and I think um, my opinion, and, and this is just my opinion, is um, that if we got to get to 10 and it gets us to two, we're not to 10. Uh, but that's just my recommendation. I, I don't have any expertise in, in this field. I'm just trying to, I, I'm no, doing I, the numbers. I appreciate that. And I'm a huge believer in <clears throat> in our city residents that if we explain our, our issues, they will rally, you know. So not that this is ever something I'd want them to rally about, but I believe in, I believe in orange. I, I, I was, I have to tell you, I was, I was shocked just because I would have thought that it would have went, went through the roof, but when the when the data came back and said, um, you know, we do a good job, and and I'll I'll give all the staff the credit, and it's 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 not just the current staff; it's staff that's been here before. Um, the city does a great job, and I and I have a lot of friends that live in other cities, that when they hear what uh, you know what they get in the city of Orange, they're like, wow, and uh, you know we try to deal with problems I would just a quick example the other night every council member got a got an email because you all emailed me about the trash on CDS and the public works had that picked up I want to say uh, the majority of it within an hour or two of being notified that that costs money but but that's that's the service that we get here so <clears throat> all right council member Gutierrez thank you Good questions, Mayor Pro Tem. Um, Dr. Bernard, I was wondering your education statements that you did follow up to see if it would change their uh, way of voting and whether it would be more like uh, definitely yes or probably yes. The, um, you asked the same questions for the TOT and the sales tax? Yes. Um, not everyone got every question, but yes. Okay. And then did you select those questions because those were what was voted on as the highest uh, concerns in the city in regards to medical, homeless, parks, um, what else did I see on the screen, wildflowers, property crime? Is that why you chose to do those type of education statements? I, I, um, I selected them because I listened to your staff and they told the orange story. And then I, I combined the story with um, framings that I have used in other cities where it has been successful. Um, in some ways, each city is lovely and unique, but human nature is human nature, and they care about medical issues and, 
in some cases homelessness and in some cases poverty, uh, property crime and the like. And so I tested these statements in, in hopes that um, they would resonate with your residents. Some statements did and some didn't. And that's what makes Orange unique from other cities. And in your expertise, as we are gonna have these strategic planning sessions, and I know uh, city manager said he, he believes it would be separate, have the educational tour mm. or educational planning, but is it would be helpful to start planting that seeds there at the strategic planning for the public that does come, and I'm assuming we're going to televise it as well, um, to start that education process? I would use every vehicle possible, including your information sources, to tell your story and to listen. So it could be used in a sense for a study session, and we'll because we're going to be talking budget. The strategic plan is all going to be budget, and we can definitely lay out. I, I would never want to waste an opportunity. And will these be slides that you've that I've been taking pictures of um, be provided so that we can share with the community, or how does that work? How does your data that you've yeah. select, collected for us help us tell our story? So. Tonight's presentation is public, right? So I anticipate that either people want to call in and get the, or email in and get the copy of it, or you'll place it on your website. I, I mean, anyone who's watching this meeting will have just had access to it. It's transparency. It's everything you've been talking about, right? So in this sense, this is, this is data that you can use as needed if that's helpful. Okay. Thank you. Those were my questions. Sure. Thank you. Councilman, if I could just clarify in regards to the strategic plan, I misunderstood your question. I understood that, do we want to, I interpret it as, do we want to wait and, and get it at the strategic plan? No, definitely talk about it in the strategic plan. My thing was about bifurcating it is we can't wait till the strategic plan if council gives us direction to go forward. They'll both be part uh, going <laughs> simultaneously. So I'll... Just um, make a few comments. Um, so really happy with uh, the survey. I think it uh, was well done and, uh, and very well <laughs> presented. Thank you very much. Um, I, I think we should uh, move forward on the, on the TOT, but I, obviously we have some time you know, to do that. Um, but I'm not completely convinced that I'm ready to jump on board with an education process because I'm not convinced myself that um, we need the $10 million until I am convinced that we have actually really um, sharpened our pencils and made sure that we are spending every dime in this city as wisely as possible. And this being on the dais for a year, I sense that there's places that we can cut. And I definitely <clears throat> think that those things should be considered first. I mean, if, if we're going to have an ad hoc committee, I'd like to see one where we actually consider where we can trim the budget uh, before we go out and ask the citizens to um, pay more taxes. So that's, that's personally where I'm coming from. I definitely would want to also um, not take that next step in terms of education until we get through our strategic plan process so that we can um, definitely know 
have a better picture of, of where we're at because I'm, I'm not convinced that we have the whole picture yet. <coughs> Mayor Pro Tem Barrios. Um, I appreciate that. I think um, that they are, what you're asking for and what we need to do are two kind of different things. And I don't think it hurts at all to be prepared or to ask staff and direct staff to um, go out and you know at least get um, some candidates to do community um, education and you know I, I do community engagement for a living that's what I do you know so I know how difficult it is to put a plan into place to get the right firm to help in the right city and then make that effort um, and it just it takes time and I'm afraid that you know based on the the indications we're getting from our finance committee I mean our finance director what we saw last year none of that none of that's going to improve uh, nothing nothing we do we can't do half measures. That's gone on for a decade, if not more, here in the city, and we have to do something different. And um, so I would like to direct city staff to go ahead and at least explore and bring back options for a community a firm that can do community education and for uh, additional pricing for... Uh, is it uh, additional survey and stat work while we to track with the um, <clears throat> community education or those two things, you know, and then um, when you bring that back, we can talk about an ad hoc committee, which I think is a great idea because I do know that you're going to need real time, um, you know, go here, go here, go here, go here. It is a, these are intense um, campaigns when you go through them. So I would like to move um, that we direct city staff to do that. It, Mr. City Attorney, should it be? A motion and a vote. You can you can vote and engage the council because there is there is an indication that you're um, going to get or provide direction to the city staff in the staff report. Yeah, I think it's fine. Okay. Can I just make a comment? Yes. No. I, that's my motion. Mayor, I was listening to you and I was thinking, you know, I, I hear what you're saying that you would not want to move on the education piece until we know, you know, really is it 10 million. But I always feel like there's no harm in, again, educating our city as to where we are at. It could be 10 or could be 6, but at least to know, right? Giving that knowledge, uh, making them aware, because what we heard from the data is they seem to not really know. And sometimes they don't even know who our, the council member is in their district. So it's, it's educating and putting out that knowledge. I don't see a harm in that. And... and uh, I think that's what's key here that's missing in our city is um, a lot of us are uninformed and we just don't know. So it would be really good to give that education component um, just to help us better understand what they know, what they don't know, and help make better decisions and have them be part of that decision making. Uh, I think education never hurts. And um, I just, uh, you know, I definitely see what you mean about the TOT. A sales tax, you know, whether it is or not, but we need to have them informed and they need to know what our real needs are in our city in order to provide the best service that we can to them. <clears throat> and that's just my only thought is I don't see the harm in the education component. And so maybe you can enlighten me some more. Um, well, for clarification, is the motion to just uh, inquire about firms that could potentially do the education, or are you actually 
proposing that we move forward with education. I don't think it was written in such a way on the staff report no, that we could we would actually. Need to, we would need to come back, right? Yes. With, yeah. So that's what I'm. I'm directing staff to come back with you know some potential candidates and costs for a public education <clears throat> um, campaign and firm to do that outreach and for additional survey work to track those efforts. So um, it's just to vote for more information. Okay. So. <laughs> Um, so I have a, a question of uh, our finance director. <clears throat> so in the last year, we've raised our water rates, we've raised our trash rates. To what extent, if you know or can tell me, has that had a favorable impact on our budget so that we're, we're still $10 million out? Um, have we closed the gap with those two things? What the water rate is in the water fund, which is an enterprise fund and separate from the general fund. So that has nothing to do with the 10 million that we're seeing. The water fund is doing well and it's sustainable. So there's no concern in the water rate. Um, the trash fee is, again, is an enterprise fund. It's a separate fund from the general fund. So as long as those separate <coughs> fund, the special revenue fund or enterprise fund can sustain themselves, the general fund doesn't need to subsidize those programs. So, but that, so that's what I'm Yeah, so the playing. $10 million is just general fund what we're looking at by itself. It has nothing to do with any other special revenue or special program that we have in the city. <clears throat> but we don't have to spend as much money from the general fund. To support those programs, yes. Right. Yes. But what, we're still down $10 million. Yes. All right. Yes. <clears throat> so... Um, your motion, you have a motion on the floor, right? Okay. Yep, a clarifier. Motion and a second. Discussion? Mayor. Yes, sir. <clears throat> I'm sorry. In the back and forth, I actually kind of lost track of your motion. So is this a motion specifically just for staff to have direction to come back to council with um, potential action of hiring? So you're going to put together a list of potential firms with the scope with the cost and uh, with uh, ill regardless of whether it is a ballot measure or just strictly public education because uh, I think it needs to be very clear that this isn't a first step to saying on the ballot will be this, that, it, that it's strictly tied to education of the public to uh, what the city is currently facing. Mayor Pro Tem, can I can I just ask a question? I hate to do this to jump yeah. in, but is the motion to come back with a list of firms? Because that would be very unusual for the council to pick a firm during the meeting. To come back with a plan for engaging a public education firm, one, not plural, um, with associated costs, scope of work, and um, also additional work in survey and stats tracking that effort now so whoever got that down got that down having said that there is some value in also talking do we want it do we is that jumping the gun do we even want to have the conversation about are we even interested in any of these med measures because all of that would be for naught if you know six people at this dais are all like no way we're not doing this we're not doing a sales tax ever 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 stop talking 
Well, that's a good point, but that's why I said I, I need more information before, you know, I can say that. But quite frankly, right now, I'm leaning in that direction as in not increasing sales tax. Oh, Councilmember Tavlers. Thank you. Uh, with that being said, I think Mayor Pro Tem's right. Um, I personally am interested in going forward with the TOT. I think that um, the numbers speak for themselves. I think that works. Irregardless of whether we do one or, or two questions, I guess we can discuss that later. But I think uh, the numbers, again, speak for themselves on that. Regarding the other, um, I do. I would like more information. I think the mayor is right that we can look at cuts, but I think we can, what's the saying, spit and chew gum at the same time? <laughs> Maybe we can go down a path of, of, of um, looking at both. I think what our finance director has shared with us is alarming. Um, I know that, you know, earlier today, I, I, I mentioned fire station number three. That's not to mention that. Fire station number five and a couple others need remodeling. That's a lot of money. Um, the city definitely needs infrastructure. So I, I'm, I'm okay with looking at it. I'm okay with studying it and uh, deciding. But I definitely am looking forward to um, helping educate the community on TOT. And I think that's sort of a, a given. Thank you. Um, thank you, Councilmember Tavlaris. City Manager, how much is involved with uh, <clears throat> the ask tonight? I'm very confident that we can come back the next meeting. Um, and, and just so I'm clear, we're, we're going to go out and look at companies, and we will bring you back a company um, that we believe, um, you know, it, it, we'll give them the parameters come back with the cost and, and we will recommend uh, sh the recommendation of this company should the council decide to go forward. Um, again, I, I want to be very cautious in my words. When we talk about 10 million and we talk about a sharp pencil, we still, I'm reluctant to say this, um, but we're still running 50 vacancies we still have people that are getting paid below the average. Um, I will tell you that, um, again, and this is a policy decision, but, but it, again, I want to make sure that I'm informing council. I had uh, four or five emails the other night about trash on, on CDS. That's a cut. Graffiti. That's a, And I'm putting the cart before the horse, but I just want to make sure that we have it out there. Um, and, and I'll say that, you know, again, 52% um, of our budget is public safety, 17% is employee. Of that 17%, that's where we're, we're doing the, um, the 50 vacancies. Um, the places that were hit hard historically, community development, well, we can't generate revenue for the city if we don't have people in community development to do the work. Finance, um, if you'll notice, we didn't close our books out till January or just recently. That's because we don't have the people in finance to close the books out. Um, we're working, we are outsourcing a lot of things, but outsourcing is still a cost. Um, and um, again, for me, one of the major skins in the game is that, um, number one, I live here, grew up here, spent I'm well over a quarter of my life working for this city. It's a great city. Um, but the numbers don't lie. And then we're doing some council briefings that are really going to be, be shockers too. And 
Um, I'm not prepared to speak publicly about it now until council's briefed, but but these challenges these challenges are real, and and again as as I said uh, last year when when with when I was asked by one of the council members, um, you tell me to cut, I'll gut the place, but the problem is. Um, don't ask a new park, a new parking lot. I, I, and, and I'm preaching it, but I just, I just want to make sure that that I, I'm. It, it's a policy decision. Um, you hired me to to, um, you know, run the city, and and um, you know, again, I'll we will do whatever the council direction is. We'll do it to the best of our <laughs> ability. Um, but I just want to, you know, make sure that everybody goes in, um, eyes wide open. I, you know, I'm not chicken little crying, you know, that the sky is falling, but we got some major challenges and um, I'll leave it at that. <clears throat> Sorry for pontificating. Okay, thank you. Um, so you are good? You, uh, your name was just it a... Was, it was, just Okay, oh. council member Tavalos. Um, Mr. Mayor, with that, Mr. Mm -hmm. City, Mr. City Manager, I think there's a point here that we don't want to miss, which is we are not voting for a tax increase we are voting to put it on the ballot for the residents to decide if there is a tax increase. Um, and I think that's a very um, important tool here because we represent the citizens. So this council is not going to vote for a tax increase. We're leaving it to the citizens. That's the, way, that's the democ democratic small D way of doing this. And I think that we need to continue to educate people that this council is not raising taxes. We are in discussions um, and there are a lot of issues just like every city has and we're trying to find a way but i think we need to make cl clear that we don't scare people like like the library did today is that this is a discussion for you to decide thank you council member mayor pro tem barrios i i agree with you council member Tavalares, but i would actually take that one step further is that we need to be painfully and frankly honest with our our citizens and we have not done that you know i think this council has done heroic work trying to make sure that that is out there but you know we are working against years and years of pollyanna like everything's fine it's all good you know and that is just simply not the case and you know, the staff is doing a tremendous job with their hands tied behind their back, you know, and to your point, yeah, we'll cut. Go, That's fine. Go ahead and cut. I'm a business person. I know what that looks like. It is painful. It is awful. And, you know, you saw people saw with just a week of three days of thinking a library was going to close. We have to be truthful about what those trade-offs are. You don't have to vote for a sales tax. I don't want to vote for a sales tax. We've all made promises that we're not gonna raise taxes or new fees or anything like that. But the reality is, what is that trade-off? And we have to be very, very honest with our community about that. Yeah, your parks aren't gonna be upgraded. Things are gonna go downhill. Massage parlors everywhere. You know, it's like, what's what gener it's all gonna be about like bad trade-offs. And when you're honest about that, especially here in Orange, we are a great and strong community. I think once, you know, we treat them with that transparency, they'll come back to us and say, we get it, you know? And then it's then it's a whole different ballgame. We're all in this together. Well, I'm willing to take the next step as proposed, but I just, you know, will caution you in advance that I'm very leery of the sales tax proposal. So uh, with that, uh, if there's no further discussion, we have a motion and a second. Uh, I'm sorry, Mayor. Yes. 
Uh, when you talk, uh, Mr. City Manager, when you talk about bringing back a firm, um, bringing back one firm just um, by staff, um, actually, Mr. City Attorney, might, it, it, does it have to go to an RFP or can it be, can it be done this way? Uh, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do an RFP. Okay, thank you. That, that's better. Thank you. Well, that brings up a question for me. I thought that uh, the motion was just to bring back, a, I'll do some research, bring back a list of companies, not actually do a formal RFP. RFP. Um, so I'm a little confused. I think that, that was my point, Mayor, I think earlier, is that would be highly unlikely or highly irregular. I've never seen it, frankly, where the council picks a firm during a during a council meeting, it would be this up to the staff to vet that to vet the companies, do an RFP, and uh, bring back their recommendation as far as who could, they would hire. I'm sorry, Mayor. Go ahead. Could um, instead of uh, an RFP, uh, how about an RFQ, a request for qualifications? So I think the city manager and I can work with the finance department and determine the best process to pick the most highly qualified firm to do the job. I think that would probably be the best advice I could give. Okay. Uh, just, just to be clear, we haven't made a decision. We started looking ahead at my direction after we got the results of this in anticipation. Because of the time frame, we haven't made a commitment but we are ready to uh, to make a rec. We are the recommend. Well, we put it out. We picked the, the, the we picked the firm that we feel based on the qualifications. Yeah. We are prepared, or we're doing the final touches to bring that to council. So I, I wanted I want to make clear that we've we haven't committed to anybody, but in looking at these firms in anticipation, we have gone forward. We haven't. I don't want you to turn pull the trigger. We, we haven't selected one yet. Um, and the reason that at my direction we started to look forward is because of the time it takes and the RFP process. Um, by not committing to those those firms, if council gives the decision tonight, don't do anything, nothing's lost. If council says, go ahead, we go, boom, we're ready to go. Here's the firm. Here's why. And then we move. we start moving forward at council direction. Okay. And council, just for clarification, I, for the scope of work, it's under the assumption it's just for general education. That's that's that sounds like that's the direction. It's not for under the assumption that at some point the council would make a decision for a potential revenue <coughs> measure. It's just for general education, correct? And may I also make the recommendation when you get to that point that when you come back with that recommendation, you show us the side by side of timelines. You know, here's where our budget process is. Here's where our strategic planning process will be. Here, timelines, you know, so because what it's going to come down to is we're going to have these processes, the public education, the budget, and the strategic planning, and at some point you're going to hit that, what's the date I just put my book away? Um, you're going to hit that end of May date, and, like, that's the pull the trigger date, yes or no. And you're going to have a whole, we're all going to have a whole lot more information on the budget where we are, what the problems are. We're going to know what our community wants having gone through the strategic planning process. And we're going to know what our community, if our community is ready to meet us halfway in terms of any type of the public education for any of these initiatives going to the ballot. Is that fair to say? So at that point, we'll have done everything humanly possible that a council could do 
to see if this has any traction and or yes or no. Correct. We, we can. And to, to Council Member Tavalaris's point, it's also then yes or no. Do we let them? Do we feel comfortable that we have done everything we can? We have all the information we can, and now voters, it's up to you. Correct. And, and we may do um, if we do that public education, we may do th th that survey again, and the needle hasn't moved, and that may that may be a self-correcting, you know. Okay, uh, Councilmember Dimitri. I'm sorry, Mayor. I, uh, <laughs> as we continue this discussion, other things get brought up. So, um, Mr. City Manager, if there's already been a, um, a firm more or less selected, um, how was it? Uh, how was it advertised? What was the scope given to them? Um, were there scoring sheets of other firms? Um, I, I want to try to make sure that we're not, uh, uh, for lack of a better phrase, I, I don't want to see a sole sourced if we haven't tested um, tested the marketplace sufficiently. I, I don't want to see an award go to a company that maybe was just picked. Uh, I, I, really, when you're awarding a contract, regardless of size, um, I want to make sure that this that this looks above board because right off the get go, if we're going to the public to say, hey, we're we have a, we have some issues, we have infrastructure needs, we have public safety needs, I don't want to start the whole thing off by, well, we gave this this one firm a a, a deal and hired them um, because we we looked at something and then we decided. So were, were there multiple firms contacted and this was the best one that through some process that that came about. Or is it just, did they come forward and say, we can do this? Or how did, how did, uh, how was this? And granted, you said one, maybe there's two, maybe there's three. I'm just going off your the words. I'm sorry. I, I can tell you that we followed the consistent process that we've done, whether it's, whether it's a, a company that's, that's going to lay asphalt, whether it's a company that's going to, going to fix a structure in a house. We followed the process is, is consistently throughout. Um, and, um, that's uh, that's what I could say. We we didn't do anything different for this. Um, and uh, again, um, there is no there is no there is nothing underboard about us selecting. We followed our process that we've done with everyone. And I'll I'll let the city attorney chime. Well, and, and I uh, I guess I wasn't aware that you had already gone down that road, but we can double check and make sure that, uh, again, I'll work with the city manager, the finance director, and make sure that whatever process was used, if it wasn't, um, if we didn't follow the code to the letter of the law, we'll go back and re-advertise and, and pick someone down using okay. that. that that'll, that's perfect. Thank you. <clears throat> okay. Um, any other questions, discussion? If not, then I'm going to call for the vote. Does anyone need clarification on the motion? Okay, then not please vote. <clears throat> okay, so that is uh, five in favor, one against, that being Council Member Bilodeau. So, uh, Council, great discussion. It's a discussion that uh, we needed to have long overdue. I appreciate all of your input very much. and. Together we will get through this one way or another. Thank you, City Manager, for your help, too, and staff.
Thank you, FM3. Appreciate all the work you did. Thank you. Okay, uh, reports from city manager. Okay. All right, legal affairs. Investment and audit committee separation and related changes to Orange Municipal Code Title II, resolution number 11522 and ordinance numbers 1 through 24. 1-24 and 2-24 and 3-24. So, um, well, let's start with the staff report, why not? Thank you, Mayor, members of the City Council. So tonight for your consideration is a package of three ordinances and one resolution. Collectively, the resolution and three ordinances, one eliminates the Investment and Audit Committee, that's through resolution number 11522. It makes changes to the City Treasurer's duties to eliminate references to the Investment and Audit Committee, along with other minor cleanup provisions, and that's through ordinance number 0124. And it creates the Audit Advisory Committee and Investment Advisory Committee, and that's through ordinance numbers 0224 and 0324. Now, the proposed change comes a little less than two years after the merger of the Investment Advisory Committee and Audit Committee. While the Investment and Audit Committee has provided great service to the Orange community, the proposed recommendation derives from a recognition that investment and audit functions, while mutually beneficial to ensure the city's long-term financial health, are unique and require different skill sets, education, and experience. As currently written, qualifications to serve on the Investment and Audit Committee are relegated into two separate sections. For example, having the designation as a certified public accountant is included in one section, while demonstrated experience in investment banking is in another section. While the former is obviously geared towards the audit function, the latter is tailored towards the investment function. However, as it's currently written, it's only suggested that at least one person meet the qualifications with a more audit-based experience, and one person meet the qualifications with a more investment-based experience. Separating the Investment and Audit Committee, the City can build a larger pool of outside individuals with proficiency in auditing or investment functions, thereby leveraging greater insight and public participation. Both committees would have specific tasks and duties within the realm of their respective expertise and professional backgrounds, likely prompting greater dialogue and collaboration, which ultimately supports their advisory role to the Council. Lastly, it should be noted that as it is currently written in the proposed ordinances, the City Treasurer is not included as a voting member. And should the council move forward to eliminate the investment on in committee, current committee members would need to reapply should they wish to continue to serve. That concludes my presentation. I'd be happy to answer any questions that the council has. So, um, <clears throat> colleagues, the reason I... Okay, thank you for the motion. Just for some points of clarification. Um, so, as you may recall, uh, these two committees were combined mainly just because we didn't have enough uh, people and there was trouble meeting quorums and there really are two separate, completely separate things. It's almost like combining the Parse Commission with the Design Review Committee. Um, <clears throat> these committees were formed when I was served on the council way back in the 90s uh, as a result of the county bankruptcy and we maintain these committees all these years. Um, one of the committee members felt that it would be better off if they both had a separate focus. Again, I am very confident that we will find members to uh, reach uh, seven committee active com committee members on each. And I'm also uh, certainly a very anxious to hear if you have any uh, suggestions as well. <clears throat> I did get a call, or as you saw, one of the current uh, members, uh, uh, John Prell, uh, Jordan Prell, questioned, uh, hey, you know, what's going to happen to us? And, you know, I, I talked to all of the committee members, and some of them were more interested in audits, some were more interested in investment, and 
So I'm, I would encourage all of them to, to reapply for the new committees. <clears throat> but lastly, I'm reading the duties of the audit committee. What, what's being proposed is, is the bare minimum, and that is basically just to listen to the audit reports and, and, uh, and provide input to our city audits, which is really kind of a completely different function. I'd like to give them a little more um, <clears throat> responsibility and, and uh, something else to do by adding this duty. Uh, it would be in an, ad in an advisory role, propose to the city manager review of programs or accounts as deemed necessary for achieving maximum efficiency and propriety. So basically, if they said, hey, you know, I think that may perhaps, you know, this function uh, could be looked at a little bit more closely or this program reviewed. City manager, please tell us, you know, what, where are we at in that or if that is something that uh, he feels truly could be looked into, um, then with his uh, permission, they, would, they could do that. So I think in conjunction with the discussion we just had, um, that that would be uh, help perhaps find places where we could uh, function more efficiently and uh, with better propriety. So I would just propose to add that as a function to the uh, audit committee. And um, if the motion, maker of the motion and the second is comfortable with that, okay. Any other discussion? I, I'm fine with that, Mayor. Um, <clears throat> one question, I, and Jack, I heard you speaking, and I'm wondering if I did hear this, and I'm, I'm going to ask it again. So Jordan Prell asked good questions, and he wanted to know whether the city treasurer would no longer be a member of either of these new separated committees. Did you answer that? Because I didn't hear that. Yeah, part. as it's currently written, that person would no longer be a voting member. Uh, now, we could come back with the resolution that sets the days and times of qualifications, and we can include the city treasurer as a non-voting member along oh. with the finance director. So they would be a part of it, but not as a voting member. I believe that's the way it was previously. He was a non-voting member pre previous before we combined them. Oh. Actually, one was, he that, was, he was I believe, yeah, before the investment, advisory committee that when it was separated was a yes. non-voting member of audit it was which he seems was like it was a voting member the way yes. it was worded then but and this would make it consistent now a non-voting member on both or not a member of either is that what you're saying yeah it would be a non-voting member on both and we can clarify that with the resolution that comes back should council approve the introduction of and approve the ordinances tonight okay all right thank you i just wanted to clarify that it would probably make sense if he was a advisory member of the investment committee so would you want it to be just advisory, like as a non-voting member, but Correct. just as advisory capacity? Okay. Investment committee. When you bring it back, does that okay. sound good? Okay. Any other discussion? Seeing none, please vote. Before you take the vote, oh, could I'm you sorry. please read the titles of the ordinances? Oh my goodness. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> um, this is a, to introduce and conduct the. Oh, where, it went away. Where did it go? It went blank. <clears throat> Oh, wait, to introduce and conduct the first reading of ordinance number 01-24, an ordinance of the City Council of the City of Orange amending section 2.26.010 of the Orange Municipal Code related to the duties of the City Treasurer. Number two, to introduce and conduct first reading and ordinance of ordinance number 02-24, an ordinance of the City Council of the City of Orange adding chapter 2.50 to title two of the Orange Municipal Code 
administration and personnel, establishing the audit advisory committee. Number three, to introduce and conduct first reading of ordinance number 03-24, an ordinance of the City Council of the City of Orange, adding chapter 2.51 to title two of the Orange Municipal Code, administration and personnel, establishing the investment advisory committee. And number four, to adopt resolution number 11522, a resolution of the City Council of the City of Orange, rescinding resolution number 11387. Great, thank you very much. I'll call for the vote. That's approved six to zero. Um, thank you very much, Council. <clears throat> okay. There will be a special meeting for a strategic planning session on Monday, March 11th, 2024 at 5 p.m. at Schaefer Park, 1930 North Schaefer Street. The next regular city council meeting will be held on Tuesday, March 12, 2024 at 6 p.m. in the council chamber. The closed session beginning at 5 p.m. if necessary. This, this meeting is now adjourned in memory of Gloria Boyce.